First episode of the 2022-23 season of Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me for the first episode, David Forrest. David, have you had a good summer? Are you excited looking ahead to the new season? Oh yeah, you, you can't beat the excitement of the first game of the season and it's good to be back in the saddle on the podcast as well. Um, looking forward to it. Reese Aldane's here. Reese, how are you? I am really good, thanks. As David says, it's just good to get back and talk about the football again after after the off-season. Can't wait. Sure is. And rounding off our panel is Jamie McDonald. Jamie, you've stayed at Wraith Rovers over the summer. You you happy with that decision? All right, to me a second to clock that. Uh, yeah, great decision. I don't know. The Jamie McDonald to party Crystal moves a bit dead these days. I used to want that. Good stuff. Very busy episode we've got for the first episode of the season. We've got our, our regular panel to talk through all the, the goings on in pre-season and to look ahead to the season ahead. We've got, we're going to look at that that very funny Morton forum. We've got the man who is behind the, the Kingsley kit tease and we've also got an interview with Shea Gordon. And we also caught up with Stenhouse Muir fan and television's Craig G. Telfer to preview the Stenhouse Muir game. But we will start with the new signings. So, since we last spoken, Alan Muirhead, Jack McMillan has rejoined, Stephen Lawless has rejoined, and David Mitchell have joined the club. We knew about the pre-contract agreements with Harry Milne and Anton Dowds. David, which one of our new signings, returning stars, are you most looking forward to seeing in the Furhill Turf next season? Um, I mean, it's, it's Stevie Lawless, isn't it? It's, it's He's the one for me, like... Um... Uh, we, we talked last season about how we needed someone to compliment Tiffany on the other side. He loves Thistle. Um, you know, the only goal he scored for Murrible was at Farhill. He just seems born to play for us. And he knows that half the team he's played about Banzo, Muirhead, McMillan, Tiffany. He just fits in. And it seems that we'd been linked to him in, at the start of the year and you know it, it was just kind of like it seemed it was going to happen at some point and I'm I'm absolutely delighted to see him back and from what I've seen from so far it's, it's yeah it's, it's an exciting move. Reese, are you happy with the business we've made so far or the business we've done? Yeah I, I can't say say anything bad really it's we've kind of covered a lot of the bases that we need bringing laws back to, to me I was a wee bit ambivalent on it at first um, but after seeing him in the friendlies I'm actually kind of happy with that because we all know we, at times we did lack creativity um, and I don't really want to see Lawless play out wide, I want to see Lawless in behind the striker, um, maybe like the Cammy Smith role um, and and on that I want to see, obviously it's not happened yet or there's there's not really any movement at the moment but I'd like to see us obviously offer Aidan Fitzpatrick a contract um, and I think it could be a really good season for him to get back at for Hill because We've lacked a lot of natural width and pace down the right-hand side, and I think that would just take our game to the next level. 
Um, so yeah, all the business that's been done, obviously we spoke about Harry Milne before and Anton Dowds. But the one that's kind of surprised me a bit was Aaron Muirhead. I think that's probably got the least attention and the least uh, asses off seats, so to speak. But in all the friendlies that I've seen, I've been pretty impressed with Muirhead. Like, I loved him the first time around and I feel like I'm going to love him again. Like, I don't expect him to be starting many games, to be honest, but whenever he's called upon, I think he'll do a great job. And and a lot of people seem to think he's older than he is. He's, he's still 31. It's because we had him maybe 10 years ago. Maybe people think he's like 34, 35. And he's just a great natural leader. And I think I don't think he's going to really let us down when he's called upon. So, but the business so far, I'm really happy with it. And obviously, I, like going back a couple of years, like I loved Jack McMillan at first. So I thought it was brilliant. I wanted him back for a long time. So to get him back on a permanent deal, that's one that I'm really happy about. And I'm looking forward to seeing him next season. Jamie, what about you? I think Harry Milne, just because of the kind of hype that's around him, seems to come very highly rated from Cole. From McCall has been talking him up a lot on the radio, saying he's going to be the best left-back in the league, stuff like that. And I think having him and Tiffany down that left-hand side will be a fantastic watch this season. But like we said about Jack McMillan, he's a player I thought was very underrated during his... I know it was only a brief spell for us. It was like four months on loan or something like that. But I, I enjoyed watching him there, even though he quite often played as a back three role and as a centre-half, played as a defensive midfielder against Dundee United in that game. I just He's very versatile and Looking forward to having him on his right back this season, and I yeah, just think it's a good signing. I think we've got a we've got a good mix of signings, a good mix of ages, experience, um, stages of careers. You look at guys like Milne, who've made the step up, Dowds as well. It's probably the best chance Dowds has in his career. And then you look at guys like Lawless and Muirhead coming back to the club with that experience. Um, I think it's a really good mix of signings we've got. I think I agree with Yuri's. I think Lawless playing inside could be could be very exciting. I, I think back to the 4-1 game at East End Park and he really ran the show for them that day and playing in behind. I think they had two up front and he was in behind um, in a number 10 position for them and he caused a sort of no end of baller. So Lawless playing in a slightly more central role, very exciting prospect. And I think Harry Milne as well. Heard good things from the friendlies. Um, an attacking left-back, an attacking full-back, something I think we spoke about almost every week last season that we were missing, just to get a guy like that and a really highly rated guy who can hopefully add goals, assists, drivers up the park from, from deeper positions, which is something we struggled with last season. And one of the most common questions we got, uh, Reese, I'll come to you first with this one. You've already mentioned Fitzpatrick, so that would be a, a right-hand-sided winger. Um, what and who else do we need to bring in before the transfer window closes? Well, as I say, Fitzy, I'd like to see him in the door. We get the right the right wing sorted just now. But apart from that, I do think we need another striker. Obviously, I like Graham. I think Graham will be back to his best after that. A wee, a wee spell. It kind of went off the boil a bit. I just think he needed a rest. He looked like he played a lot of games and he was missing running. And uh, hopefully Dowds can sort of take some of the bearing off him. But at the same time, I don't want to rely too heavily on Dowds. I do hope Dowds has a brilliant season for us. I want to have another striker in who I'm comfortable starting games. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know I, I know at the beginning I kind of like Ross McKeever and stuff, but you wouldn't want McKeever to start games for you. So if possible, I'd like another number nine in who is good enough to make a starting eleven. Bearing that, you're probably looking at just bodies to fill the squads really. So the basis of our squad is really good, and I, I know we're going to talk about it in just a minute or two, but. The thing that really stood out to me in the friendlies is how good our, our young team was, like all the, the boys from the Thistle Weir. 
So I wouldn't really be opposed to seeing them uh, take up a few spaces on the bench and sort of gradually build their way into the team because I know we're linked with a few of the boys on loan for Rangers, the uh, Cole McKinnons and the Ben Williamsons. They'll build up a squad, obviously, and they'll play a good few minutes. They're good players. Um, but I just kind of hope it doesn't really hinder our own boys as well. So I, I've made a big, a big striker would be, would be my number one target now. Jamie, what about you? Any names you're going to throw at me? For a striker, I don't really have any names that I can think of, to be honest. But yeah, I think we do need to get in another striker realistically. Maybe another forward-thinking midfielder. Obviously, it becomes Tony Andrew 2.0. Scott Allen, I've been banging on about that forever, but I don't think that's going to happen. So I don't know, but another striker and another forward-thinking midfielder. David, I'll come to you with our first couple of listener questions. Um, Alan McMillan has asked, are there any more air or ex-air players that you fancy bringing in? And Andrew McKenzie has asked, what youth players would you like to see given a chance next season? So I'll fling both of them your way. Um, I mean, if you'd asked me last year, I said Lauren Shankland, but now that I've seen his Twitter likes and retweets, I'm, I'm not so sure. I'm sure about having Lauren Shanklin back. Lauren Shanklin, um, Fussell. Um, I don't know. It, it feels like it feels like something that's destined to happen. I, I know people who've played for you at Morton always seem to play for us. It's kind of your destiny if you play for one or two of them, you're going to play for the other ones. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. We we kind of we've kind of picked some of the some of the scraps off um, from them already. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if there's too much. I, I, I don't know. Air weren't very good last season, <laughs> so I don't, I don't want to be the thing for me about the squad. As you mentioned, right, all the all the signings that we've made so far make logical sense and improve the squad. So like Millen is an upgrade in a left back. McMillan um, at right back is an improvement in Richard Foster. Um, people absolutely loved him in his own spell. Harry Millen's one of the best left backs, probably the best part-time left back in the country. Um obviously there there is sort of doubts about, you know, making the jump going from moving you know, moving from Aberdeen to Glasgow and going to full time is, you know, how how he takes in that. I mean we looked at like, for example at Blair Lyons when he was with us and and obviously they're completely different players um and Melanie's clearly got more potential uh, than Blair Lyons showed. But I mean we, we had high hopes for him and he just did not accommodate acclimatised to full-time football whatsoever, but all the players are signing, they make sense, they fill a role. It isn't like we're just signing hoodies from Crew Alexandra to kind of bulk out a squad. There's no one there that you're kind of like, or oh, who's he, or why have we signed him? They all sort of fit a role. And as we said, the, the, the young team have been really, really good in the friendlies. And to be honest, they're really, really good in the friendlies last year. There is some, there's some talent in there, and again, like it, it's one of those things where we're probably going to get to our Maloney's in that are going to rob these people of a position. In all honesty, I think that Billy Owens, to be honest, has been fantastic. The friendlies he was really great last season as well. Um, I'd really like to see him get a chance. Um, James Lyon as well had a bit of a disappointing run at Stenhouse Muir, but McCall sees a lot in him, so I'd like to see that as well in there as well and just people like Stan Wayne Stevenson and all that and even Gospel Acholi has not really been seen much and I'd like to see him as well there's there's a good core of like five or six people there who 
McCall has talked up and said about being future official players in their own right and it would be good to see them kind of make that next step next season. And I don't know if there's too much cosmetic up- upheaval needed because we've kind of if we get Fitzpatrick nailed down, it, and you know, it, it's, you're looking at what a strike, another striker, but we are we are quite bulked out, and it's not just filler that we've got like players who actually look like they will contribute, and there's a logical reason why they're there. Reese, Jamie, any young players going in it? Oh, sorry, Reese has just left, so I'll ask that, Jamie. Jamie, any young players you'd like to see get given a, a wee run in the first team this season? I'm going to talk about him later. I would have said Cooper if he hadn't left because obviously seems to be a pretty highly rated player this season. Maybe James Lyon, who's obviously McCall was always talking up Lyon when he was here in the League One season saying he thought he was going to go on to big things. He went on loan to Dennis Moore last season. Maybe it wasn't the best one for him in the end. I'm not really sure. Didn't seem to get a huge amount of games or kick on as much there but if he's going to stay at the club this season I'd like to see him get some some game time or if he's going out on loan hopefully it's a bit of a better loan I know this might be a bit off topic but it's not really but we were talking about this in the chat a while ago I just don't think that our players get good enough loans when we loan them out so we're loaning them out to like loan league sides quite often and they go to league two sides and they barely play a game it never seems to we don't seem to loan our young players out to teams where it actually ends up being beneficial for them. They go out on loan, they make one or two cameo appearances with the first team, then just disappear. Don't hear from them again. So I'm just hoping that that isn't a trend that continues and we get them a bit better loans. Maybe some bottom side, bottom half League One sides or something like that would be a bit better for them. Reese Jamie mentioned uh, Cammy Cooper there, and that is another question that we had. I think Ross Alexander got in touch with that. Sparked a little bit of debate in the comments. Do you think it was the right decision to let Cooper go? Um, I know it's an easy thing to say, oh, a club lacks ambition, but you see even like a club like Motherwell have got such a good record of youth development. They're letting put up, losing players to Rangers and then Rangers losing youth players to clubs apparently higher up the food chain. One of their young players going down following Stephen Gerrard down to Aston Villa. What do you make of the, the Cooper move, Reese? I mean, it's, it's a bit disappointing from Partick Thistle's perspective. It's a player who've got coming through the ranks who's actually getting called up to the, the national team at his age group and by all accounts is looking like a really good player. He had uh, trial spells with Leicester, Sheffield United, West Ham. They're all after him trying to sign him. And, I mean, he's, he's posted about his move saying he was a boyhood Rangers fan. He's obviously wanted to go. Rangers probably paying him a good fee, uh, paying him a good wage and so I don't think we've got a ridiculous fee or anything anything really good to be honest but we've got a wee bit of money for a player we've never seen I do think it's hard to say about these things the boys I mean he's 16 he was like playing up in age group to play with our under 18s and I don't want to say he'd been badly advised because I do think he would have got a chance at Fissel this year he probably would have made his debut he would have been playing in the friendlies just now probably so it's a shame but I, I wish the boy all the best I hope he does go and have a good career um, but I wouldn't be too surprised if we do see him back at Fussell one day. So we've got we've got a bit of money for a player that we've never seen. So it probably works for both parties in the end. I was going to say the one one good thing about the loan is or about the, the move is that he is moving to Rangers and we have cultivated a really good relationship with Rangers and that we get a lot of youth loanees for them for better or for worse. So as we says, I would not be surprised in the slightest if he shows up and plays at Fur Hill in, in a year or two. Um, and like obviously we 
you know, we can moan about how, you know, he, would, he could have been, you know, done something with us or whatever. But if the tables were turned and you were playing for a squad and Fissel wanted to come in for you and you were a big Fissel fan, you'd want to go. You wouldn't want the club to stand, stand in your way with that. And you, you see, you can't really do the same for somebody with us going to another club. But, you know, if he's a boyhood Rangers fan, what can you do with that? It's, it's his dream. You can't really stand in his way with that. Even better news if we've we've got a relationship with Rangers as Rangers release Andy Firth, so they'll not be sending him back our way. Jamie, a relationship with Rangers probably isn't something many Thistle fans are that happy about or they would they would talk too loudly about. Do you think it's a good thing we've got a relationship like that with a club a club as big as Rangers? It's got positives and negatives. The negatives are what we mentioned about our own young players getting kind of pushed to the side or pushed in the pecking order in way of Rangers loanees coming in and taking the place and that always not all Rangers loanees have come and done very well as they've done in the past. You know, you look at Barge on ass and Firth didn't even play a game and then probably a few other off the top of my head, like Reese Breen, there's been a few that just haven't really made any impact. We've had some to come in and do well, like obviously Lewis Mayo's the standout, he's was fantastic for us and Kieran Wright in the League One season, he was pretty solid goalkeeper. So you know we've had the benefits and negatives from it in both ways. And if we could bring in someone who makes a huge impact, then obviously I'm never going to complain about that. But it is kind of frustrating sometimes seeing players come in. They don't do very well, but they've kind of got the Rangers name to carry them a little bit. And some of our younger players maybe aren't getting a chance at the expense of the Rangers players. Yeah, I think as long as the relationship sort of work, does work both ways, as long as it doesn't turn into a sort of feeder club situation where we are being sent players, I think is, as long as... McCall's got a good relationship with folk at, at Ibrox and he can say he can handpick the players he wants. I think it's a good thing. And obviously, nobody likes Rangers, but it is a standard of player that we should be looking to attract, I think. And as you say, Jamie, we've had some good ones. Myself and David Forrest were joined by our good friend Mark Wallace to discuss what was going on over on the Morton Forum and the antics of Toby. and Mark Wallace are here to join me to discuss um, this Why Do You Hate Partick Thistle thread. Um, I'm just going to ask you what what your general reaction was to it when you when you found it and what is each of your favourite piece? I love it. I love it so much. I love the fact that they don't care about us in any way, shape or form except for the fact that we consume their entire being and they just constantly think about us and constantly are raging at us. It is incredible. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Toby um, in a moment. The man needs professional help, let's be honest, but there's some other um, mental ones in there. I, lo- I did enjoy this from um, SO72. I hate their stadium. I hate that they are called Partick, despite not being in Partick. Mostly, though, I hate that they have this following of BBC pundits and newspaper journals who sicken us to death about how much of a lovely club Partick are. All these people are just hiding which side of the fold from they support, and as a result, pretend Partick is some sort of moral good. The only thing I like about Partick is when I worked close to Fahill last year, at least some of the local Wains supported them rather than the old firm. 
And then the next comment is just a horrible cunt club followed by horrible cunts. <laughs> Mark. Oh, like this uh, gave me all the vitamins. I'd been out in the skate the night before and like <laughs> seeing this was just like, you know, that way you just magically feel yourself. Like when you crack open that cold glass bottle of iron brew and you feel your hangover or whatever sense of dread disappearing, this thread, this entire thread did this for me. Like this just enriched me. Like it's just beautiful is what it is. Whether it's Toby's novella, this will have traumatised him that much for the last decade. The cunt wrote a fucking novella or uh, slagging the, the strip. One guy personifying it with Brian Graham. Oh, it's, oh, it's just great. Like, it's utterly tremendous. And we can't forget, we can't forget one guy picking out known Thistle fan Donners uh, for his tweets. He talked about there being too much scum on display from the stewards from the, talking about the the pitch invasion thing when we could beat 2-1. And he's like, smug, self-righteous, partic wank, even before getting to his attempts at condescending, patronising pish about Morton. Remember, that, calling him, uh, making aspersions about his mental health, calling him Dulali, blah, 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 Robbie Muir, bringing up Robbie Muirhead, all of that. And if Robbie Muirhead is your idol, um, well, oh dear. Oh dear. To, to never fair. forget, never forget when Robbie Muirhead scored those two goals for us. The only goals he scored for Thistle in his career, um, he dedicated them to Justin Bieber. That's really, that is <laughs> no, he who, didn't. Shut up. No, he did not. <laughs> right. Citation needed on that one. Citation needed. We'll square. We'll, we'll find out and we'll, we'll get that into the edit. But like, I think it is important to caveat with this conversation that. Um, a lot of this thread is, of course, unhinged, but I'm going to say 60, <laughs> 60%, right? 60%, and I'm sure numbers will vary. I've, I've seen some, some say 95%, but I'm going to go 60. 60% of it I'm sort of reading through going, you know, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. They, they, do make, <laughs> they do make some valid points. We do have some absolute roasters in our support. But, but do you know who else has absolute roasters in this support? Funnily enough. Like, Toby's a roaster. Like, I wouldn't swap like any of our fans for like writing essays on Morton. But like, not many of Toby's points were valid, but there are some valid points in there. Now, we've, we've talked about this for a couple of minutes, and to be honest, we could talk about it at length for ages, but it is already a long, long episode, and there is a lot of people who will obviously be listening to this who are waiting for the main event, the reason we're all here, the granddaddy of them all, Toby's incredible treatise on why he hates Thistle. It's breathtaking in both its length and just insanity. We could read it out. We could do that. But again, we're already at like two and a half hours <laughs> this week. So need to cut down a bit of time. So what we thought we would do, um, at the inspiration of Gabby Mackay, record journalist, we decided we would immortalise Toby's post in a piece that I have created, which I simply call Toby.
It's a bit more difficult to put the finger on than with Falkirk. There are specific incidents and behaviours I can point to with that horrible lot, but with Partick it's not quite as obvious, although they really are an odious club. I hate to use current custodians of a club when describing my feelings towards them, as in most instances they're merely passing through, be it for 10 months or 10 years. But Ian McCall really is the prick's prick. They brand themselves as Glasgow's great alternative. Nah, they're fucking scum, just like the other two. I absolutely despise their fanbase with a passion, and a few of the Twitter freaks in particular. That lad trying to compare them to their growth fairy tale last season stank of a toddler trying for the attention of a parent who's trying to deal with the newborn baby brother or sister. Grow up. They get my gate money and that's it. No pies, not programs, nothing. Bare minimum, and I'd urge everyone else to do the same. The only two clubs I apply that rule for are them and Falkirk. For Hill, first of all, it's an absolute shithole. We know Carpolo and particularly the stand isn't great and away fans often complain about it. But every club provides away fans with some sort of seating. They get no worse than our home fans get in the stand. But with 8,000 sheets behind the Jackie husband in the stand behind the goal, deliberately choose to put all the away fans in the shittiest part of the ground in spite of the available alternatives. have of course been other thoroughly odious individuals associated with their rotten club. Most recently Richard Foster got on my tits, but guys such as Derek Johnson, Bertie Old, Adam Strachan, Chip Charnley and Jerry Collins spring immediately to mind. Arseholes to a man. They're a bogging wee club. Get them in the bin. I mean, Toby's is like, it's like James Joyce's Ulysses, but less fucking coherent. It's, I absolutely, I absolutely love it. It's amazing. Oh, no, no, I found it. Is it did you actually? I found it. Oh, no. Never, ever doubt me again. <laughs> Good I'll, I'll tweet it. I'll tweet it. Uh, I, I think we should. I think we should wrap it. Wrap it there before uh, 
we go over the sort of limit of how much you can talk about another team's forum on your team's podcast. But um, I'd just like to say to, to Toby and the lads, thank you. move on to have a, a chat about the friendlies. Reese, you were at the, the two that were open to supporters at Alawa and Kelty. What did you make of them? Yeah, it was brilliant to be back at the games and to, it's always nice to get a look at the new the new look Fissile side. Um, all the new signings looked really good. Um, as I've already mentioned before, like one of the things that I came away most pleased with was the young players. You looked at uh, the likes of Gallagher Lennon making his, well, non-competitive debut but like Neil Lennon's son like it was really good he just turned 16 um, and didn't look at a place at left back and the young boy Jamie Target as well they both down the left hand side at Aloha just tore, tore Aloha apart and it was it's really pleasing to see um, so it's, it's only positive going forward um, it was a bit of ring rust in the, the opening half at Aloha um, and a few scrappy goals to say the least but it's pre-season it was a good workout and the general play of the game was played at a decent tempo. Um, and moving on to the, the Kelty game, I think Kelty have got a really good squad. Um, and it was quite an even contest in the first half. And when we started to take off our first-team players and we brought on all the younger boys, I thought we were going to tire a wee bit um, and Kelty would maybe take over with the, the, the young boys coming on. But it was actually the opposite effect. It was basically a majority of our under-18s team with Cammy Smith playing. And I, I mentioned on Twitter earlier, uh, yesterday in fact, that I think Cammy Smith's actually been one of our top performers this preseason, and I just hope that he can carry that form into the competitive stuff and just really kick on and have a good season for us. Because I know he was playing with uh, the young boys there, and it was against Kelty and stuff, but it was really like getting the boys up for it, and he just looked like a, almost like a leader on the park with those young guys. So I, I do hope that he can carry his form into the season. Because I mean, he got an assist at Aloha, um and a good goal against Rangers. I don't know if um, you guys have seen the highlights of that game, the, the goals. It was. It was a good goal that he scored. So, aye, positive signs from the two friendlies that were open to fans. Um, maybe not so much positive news coming out of the other two we couldn't go to because not, not a lot's been said about the Clyde game, but by all accounts, it sounds like we lost that 2-1. But the less said about that, the better. David, any tales to tell from your, your Friday night trip to Kelty? No, I mean, I only went to one of the games in the Barry Ferguson Cup that we were some, for some reason invited to. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Kelty, the Kelty one, it was a bit, I mean, I, like, shout out to Andrew McKenzie, former guest, for um, giving me a lift home um, from Kelty because there was no way of getting home if you're on public transport. It was going to be a taxi to Dunfermline and then a train, a bus to Edinburgh and then a megabus home um, if it wasn't for him. But 
No, like the Kelly game, um, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the second half more than the first half. As we said, it was a bit, it was a bit more even-handed and a bit more of a slog to get through. It wasn't the most exciting game um, in the first half, but the second half, I thought we looked really good. Um, I really enjoyed seeing Lawless again. Um, I think Lawless was great in the two Allah and Kelly games. Um, I think as well, certainly in the Allah game, we we played as I said with quite a good tempo and we looked like we were having a bit of fun we were kind of pulling off stuff that in a more competitive game we wouldn't necessarily have pulled off in uh, you know in the last couple of years and it's quite good to see that bit of confidence flowing and you kind of hope that in a pre-season when you've got this confidence flowing and you're playing with this tempo or whatever kind of the team gel really well that you can kind of take a little bit of it into the season um but no I mean it's it's a pain in the arse to get to, especially when there's like train strikes and stuff like that on there. But no, I um I had a good time and yeah, it was oh, it was good to just get back into it. Jamie, the the friendlies has seen seen as wear our new black away kit. Where does that one rank for you in your your list of favourite kits? I know I know it's quite popular, but I definitely don't dislike it. But it's not my favourite away top. I think it's pretty decent, and I think James said in the chat six out of ten. I'll give it six and a half out of ten. I, I think it's a decent away top, but it's not my favourite one. It's kind of like the last two seasons kind of cut apart and stitched together almost. But, but yeah, it's a de- it's decent enough for its way top, so I will probably get it. I like it as a kit. I like the all black with the sort of the white sleeves, but the the top alone on its own does look like like something an armed police officer would wear. Um, it's a bit of a strange design on the top but as a kit from a distance I, I do think it's quite smart uh, what about the home kit Jamie fan of that so which one well whatever one you like <laughs> the, the the real home top the, the Kingsley yeah, like, one you mean the real the real one the Kingsley one no the, right, the actual home top I actually I like it it's nice uh, when I saw the white shorts I wasn't sure at first because I don't know I thought it was a bit weird but I don't know, as I've seen it more and more, it's kind of grown on me a little bit and it's kind of a classic look, I think, because we used to wear white shorts for a period of time uh, and I think it actually looks quite nice, so I like the away top. We'll give that a solid 8 out of 10. Oh, very high praise there. So, home top, sorry, I just said away top, home top. Speaking of the Kingsley kit, we have been joined by Brian Welsh, who discloses all. My granddad, my dad... My brother and me were a wee bit M.A.D. When it came to the selection of our favourite football team In Glasgow there are usually only two teams to S.E.E. But there's always scope for a little slice of eccentricity Partick, T-H-I-S-T-L-E, our red and yellow. So we're now joined by Brian Welshy Welsh. Brian, how are you doing? Thanks very much for joining us. I'm very well, gentlemen. How are you? We're good, thanks. We're good. I'm speaking for David that we've, we've spoken to David. I know David is good. Um, the, the first thing, the main thing we want to speak to you about is the, the Kingsley kicks. So do you want to just talk us through that from how it started how his information was slowly leaked out, maybe leaks, not the right word, dripped out about that, um, <laughs> to the to the end point where 
people were losing their minds. Yeah, I guess um, I guess the starting point here is, and I suppose when you're the part-time sort of PR consultant for the club, people say, well, we would say that, wouldn't they? But it probably to direct quite a lot of credit towards O'Neill's and Greaves Sport, who I'm sure the majority of fans will agree have been unbelievably good partners for the club since they they both came came on board Greaves obviously for the second time, and you know a big part of it, apart from producing really good quality kit that's available in the, the, the city centre and online is to try and just find ways to excite the fans and engage with fans and this was really you know born from an idea of theirs to do something a little bit different. Kingsley's obviously been a big part of the club for a long time and O'Neill's identified that as being you know something that not, not many other clubs have, have really got that asset so they came up with this design it was first kind of flung about at the start of the year the minute everyone saw it, you know, it, it certainly drew a big kind of either laughter or smile or what the hell. So, you know, it didn't take a, a, a great leap of faith to think this could make a bit of an impression, but it certainly made much more of an impression than, than I think anyone uh, imagined. So from that kind of fledgling idea at the start of the year, it was decided that it would be produced, certainly enough kits for a football team to to fill whether it was going to generate enough interest to to go on retail sale was another thing but being so closely aligned with the the home kit and the colors you know we decided it was something we would just fire out days in advance of the actual home kit going out in sale just to generate a bit of interest within the thistle support and potentially out with and then you saw what happened last week from that um the assistance of of taylor mcglashan and, and some of the women's team um i kind of carefully timed Kingsley sponsorship extension announcement and then um, the first sight of the the home kit and people wondering well what the hell is actually going on here which kit is the real kit and you know when when it ultimately when it ends up on match of the days feeds you know you've done something right and I know you know O'Neill's are really delighted with with that as our graves but most importantly <laughs> we generated quite a lot of interest ahead of the actual home kit coming out so that's a kind of shortened uh, version of, of how we got from a a bit of an idea at the start of the year to, to something that really did take off to, to quite a level last week. I, I've just got a couple of follow-up questions and then I'll let, let David ask uh, what's on his mind. How close, was it ever discussed that it was, would be the kit? Was it ever close to that? And you mentioned uh, a couple of the, the women's team getting involved with the, with the teasers. Was there any more that were missed because I know Taylor McGlashan's got retweeted. There was a photo going about of the shots. Was there any wee drips and drabs that were missed by the fans? No, I think I think <laughs> the fans don't miss much in social media. So I think everything that was out there was seen. Um, to answer that question, first of all, so we went quite, I suppose, on reflection. You know, putting something out in the middle of the week for a launch at the end of the week doesn't seem like a lot of time but in the world of social media you, you, you know when people start getting interested in something things move fast and, and it suddenly seems like quite a lot of time to fill so um we kind of used everything we had to to keep the momentum up so i i don't think a thing was missed as is normally the case with thistle fans online um um <laughs> nah i I, th- I suppose t- you could answer that question with, in two ways. Was it ever going to be the kind of first choice home kit? I don't think that was ever going to happen. 
is it feasible that one day a Partick Thistle team might take to the pitch in that kit? Who knows? Never say never. So, I, I, you know, from a player's perspective, players, the, the certainly in my experience over the last three years, the players have been so supportive of just about everything we've done. But I don't think they'd thank us for running out in that strip sort of 18 times uh, or 36 times or whatever it might be this season. So, um, it was never really close to being the permanent home kit. I, I saw some people say, call it. <laughs> it was hilarious when some people actually calling you shite bags for not making it your home kit. Um, when the only reason they've dropped, you know, their attention is on the kit is because you've done it in the first place. But um, who knows what what might happen in the, you know, it might be one game when we might be brave enough or it might be the right time. But um, who knows? I'm I'm calling it now. Um, the Glasgow Cup is an absolute wild west of people you thought had retired and people you'd thought had left the club and all that just turning up. People and like, you know, Neil Lennon's son just turning up out of nowhere and stuff like that. I'm convinced this is the Glasgow Cup is the the home for this kit because anything goes in that wild west of a competition. But I, I just wanted to ask: Was there any players who 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 just hated it? Who who just could not take to it. And what was McCall's reaction to it? I'm quite interested to see what McCall thought of it. Well, it's funny you should mention that because the guys at O'Neill's were, they were quite keen for us to try and capture on video the reaction of the manager to the kit. And that's definitely not happened. Um, I don't know what one rung down from Dugmeat is, but um, it's probably that that that's where he was at with it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the manager looked at it shook his head and moved on with his next thing so um let's just say it in the in the here and now <laughs> he just uh, it kind of passed him by um as for the players i can exclusively reveal that scott tiffany absolutely loves that kit <laughs> and i say that with a straight face which you cannot see <laughs> and lewis mantle's face is straight as well which no one else will get it. let's fling it in anyway do you, do you remember, like, it, it's, it's sort of a, a bygone era now, but do you remember, sort of like, it started in like the 90s or whatever, but you, and you would get clubs who would do like club catalogues, and they'd have like part of the players' contracts is they'd have to like wear like the Man United pajamas or like sleep in the, the Arsenal duvet set or whatever for the catalogue. <laughs> and I think that Scott Tiffany wearing the, the, the Kingsley kit for like a catalogue would be. Um, would be would be perfect. I, I can envision it already. I was going to say, do you remember Blackburn get taken over by Venkies and it was like international yes. footballers having to like eat eat like chicken and, and adverts and stuff and pretend that they were enjoying this pretty disgusting looking chicken, <laughs> like David Dunn and Paul Robinson and all that. Just uh, well, I um, I, I mean the catalogue idea is actually a really good one, isn't it? Um. Coming up on Thursday will be a, um, a little event at Grief Sports to celebrate the launch of the home kit, which you may see uh, a player in the Kingsley kit. Now, if this podcast uh, happens to have happened after that, then I hope everyone who attended that event earlier today had a fantastic time. So I've covered both bases. <laughs> see, just moving away from the kit, well, she you mentioned you're obviously a, a part-time PR consultant for the club. Do you want to just tell us a bit about what that involves, other than Bam and Full Cup with? Things like that. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, yeah, serious side to it all. In summer of 2019, shortly after I'd chosen to go kind of freelance in my uh, sort of PR career, if you like, having worked in a couple of agencies for the best part of 15 years, 
it was very, very fortunate for me that um, and uh, Thistle were looking for a kind of part-time replacement for their full-time press officer who just left during that summer. And it was David Beatty at the time that, that got in touch. And uh, I met David and Jerry and, and started to just provide some part-time support covering all the essentials, if you like, that, that George, my full-time predecessor, had, had um, been across. So mine is a predominantly a non-match day role. Um, and it's obviously continued with working under Jackie and Jerry right up to the present day. And it covers all sorts of stuff. But I suppose the fundamentals are being the point of contact for just any media inquiries and needs and requirements, managing all aspects of um, press conferences during the week to preview games, supporting club announcements, board communications, um, assisting the wider wider um, media team and social media team and all they do, trying to fulfil all the sponsor obligations. And just in, in essence, pretty much trying to proactively cover and drive anything content-wise, whether traditional media or online, which might, and we all try, and try to tick at least one, if not two, but ideally three of the, the these kind of boxes to enhance the reputation of the club, to generate income for the club, and most importantly, to engage with and excite supporters of the club. So it's been, if you think back over what's happened in the past three years, it's been pretty eventful and it's actually quite nice to and you always say this at this time of year to head into a new season with a with a clean slate you know as as close to a normal season as we've had in in compared to the last three years and you know hopefully we can do even better on the pitch than we we did last year this is a this is a really job interview question so sorry but like what's the thing you're the most proud of in the last three years working for the club oh such a good question um oh I think, um, I mean, the, the, the Tiffany video is the obvious one and because of not just what happened that day and how far and wide it went, but obviously the fact that it led to, you know, an award that was just a nice thing for everyone who's contributed to the media team to have. So that's probably right up there. But one thing that I just I absolutely loved and it kind of took me by surprise how amazing it, it was, was the, the 1971 kind of celebrations, if you like. And it was just when you got time with the legends themselves and whether it was having all 11 in the, the one room at the one time and that Sunday afternoon at Hamden, which was just incredible, or probably the, the, if I was to pinpoint one moment, actually it would be, and I, I was lucky enough to walk the four goal scorers into the Aitken suite before the game, introduce them one by one. Um, the place was going bananas. This was about half past two. We were in there for a very short time, and Alex Ray still managed to have two double vodka, uh, two double vodkas, and and Diet Andrew. What a man! And uh, but when we walked back round and they get the ovation from the the Lambie and then the Jackie husband, and just as they got to towards the part of the Jackie husband where you'd walk back up to hospitality, the players were warming up there, and as the fans were applauding the seventy one boys, the players warming up broke away from the warm up to applaud the the 71 goal scorers and you saw Brian Graham and I just remember the faces, Kyle Turner and stuff with big smiles on their faces and the boys, the, the legends turned around and faced them and it was just a, it was a really, really amazing moment and just, I, I think, you know, we all hope that we get a League Cup or a Scottish Cup win very, very soon because we're, we're due it and we, I don't know how the hell we'd manage to cope, you know, celebrating, you know, it'd be mind-boggling what we'd get up to but... Um, sometimes you look back and you think 50 years ago still kind of celebrating that but it was just such a special it is an iconic Scottish football win it was a special team all 11 still with us and it just felt 
like such a remarkable moment to be there standing alongside them, seeing what it meant to them, and um, I guess I that was that was a pretty special afternoon. Yeah, it must have been very cool job. I think you've got uh, David. I was going to ask, obviously, like your your reputation as a Thistle fan um, is, is known known by many. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I remember I went to the the Legends game against Mary Hill. And you, you finally got your debut, and I remember James Kearney went up to you and he says, "What position are you playing?" And he said, "He said I'll play any position for this club. <laughs> a proper club man, a proper club man. What a good guy." So I wanted to ask you, in terms of like obviously working at Thistle, do you still get starstruck? Obviously, you have to be full-faced PR man in your job, but do you do you still get that the butterflies from you know when when you weren't uh, working for the club? You know, just as as a fan, do you still get that? Totally, I, I, it's weird. I, I mean, it's not changed in terms of watching the team. It's I, I, I don't feel any different apart from sometimes you've got in mind if it's a really bad day, then you're going to have a tough week to deal with, or if you're know, sitting there watching us beat Falkirk five now, which I was completely privileged, obviously being in the stadium was just you know you're on the moments away from huge celebrations and stuff. So sitting watching the game, it's just not changed. But I, I think the, the, the weird thing is, and maybe. A little bit cautious how you say this as a 43-year-old Thistle dad, but still, whenever the players walk past and I've watched them on the Saturday, you know, they're still, it doesn't matter what age you are, if there's Thistle players doing the business for you, they're, they're your heroes and you do get that special feeling talking to Big Brian or whatever, so I think if you're a diehard Jags fan, then that's just something that doesn't matter what you do. You obviously need to separate, you know, doing your job from being a fan, but the being a fan bit will never change. And yeah, I still just get, I remember the 6-1 game at Hamilton last season was just an unbelievable night and you're punching there just every bit as much, whether you'd been there five years previously, not as a sort of um, someone who's contributing to the club as a as a consultant or an employee. So yeah, again, a long way of saying it's it just hasn't changed and I guess that's what makes football so bloody brilliant. Who's the worst player that's ever given you butterflies? <laughs> the worst? Yeah. Like, have you ever got, like, butterflies from, like... What a question. Like, Andy Firth or something? <laughs> no. Um, to be no, fair, did you ever see Andy Firth? <laughs> I saw him once on an... I saw him a few times. I saw him a couple of times. I actually saw him. It's a bizarre story that... It's probably for for another podcast, actually. <laughs> I only I only saw him a couple of times. But who's the worst player that's ever given me butterflies? Crikey! I think probably here's a good good way of answering that is Gary Harkins the second. Because um, <laughs> Gary Harkins the first was one of definitely one of my favourites. Right, good chance of being in my all time Thistle eleven just because he was so good. But when he came back the second time, he wasn't quite in the same. I wouldn't even say the same condition, but um, yeah, he wasn't quite as good, but still seeing him around for hell and chatting to him, you know, he still get excited because he did that thing at Ibrox that night and it was amazing and he's a great, yeah, so Gary Harkins the same would be my answer there. That's a good answer, it's a good answer. David, you got in this? Well, I was going to say, I, I, I think we'll all appreciate Gary Harkins' second run just purely for the, the chant, the, the modified Alan Archibald chant. That ends with I want a baldy patch too, which I quite <laughs> liked. That was one of my favourite times of in a long time. But um, you obviously mentioned about the Rangers game, um, Danny Gray and Gary Harkins. Talk to us about that for a wee bit. Well, that was a, that was an amazing night because for many reasons. Um, 
<sighs> just a huge thistle support. I remember we went to what's the wee pub that's underneath um, Kelvin Bridge near the underground. We went there before the game, put a bet on for thistle to win and Damon Gray to score. It was 420 to 1. So for 60 seconds, and I only put a pound in it. I was so excited, and then aye, it wasn't. It didn't last long, but we were still to walk out of there. We were singing. Rangers fans were disappointed, and it was just a brilliant night behind the goals. And then we walked back across the river and went to the pub that was called the Goat, which was at the time either owned or run by Ian McCall. And about an hour after the game, Ian McCall comes back to the Goat to have a pint, and it's like rammed with thistle fans, and the chants go up. We ended up watching the game on highlights on sports scene in a pub owned by Ian McCall with Ian McCall. Uh, so an absolutely amazing night. And um, it was just a shame that we didn't hang on a wee bit longer and make them a wee bit more worried because we, we had a wee chance that night. How many times have you seen us beat the old firm? Um, three times against Celtic, once against Rangers. So the um, the Geordie Shaw game, the other Geordie Shaw game, and then the game at Hamden, and then obviously a 3 0. So all within the space of about two or three years. So that that was 92 to about 95 was just just incredible. And that uh, that Celtic game, my dad couldn't go and I wasn't really allowed to go. And then at about two o'clock, we found a friend of my dad who was willing to take me on the train. And I'll never ever forget that man for doing that because it was the most beautiful game of football ever um, The other thing I was going to say I asked you to bring on um, a funny anecdote from me because the last time I met you you, you were full of them so have, have you got <laughs> a, a, a tale from the vault that you, you wanted to, to bring on I, Well I thought long and hard about this and I tried to pick out a game that just kind of sums up Thistle and um, I'm just going to tell a few wee anecdotes about this day out um, and you can um, censor what you wish, but basically um, I picked out the Peterhead game, the playoff final in 2006, because it was just such a bizarre 180 or 210 minutes plus penalties at the end of the most pretty turgid season. Um, I remember at the end of the first leg, we just lost late on to Peterhead at Firhill, and it was probably the only time at this game I've nearly got in a fight with a fellow fan, because they was booing them off the pitch. I'm like, this is half time in a final. We might be absolutely chronic, but let's try and get out of this league. And then we went to the way leg. To be fair, only the diehards went up that day, but there was a lot of diehards and it was just, we all got behind the team. We eventually got our way back in it and then just ridiculous things started happening. Billy Gibson's free kick went in off the moon. It went extra time. I think we got away with a few lucky scrapes. We ended up winning on penalties with Paul Ritchie scoring the winner. You know, this was after we finished about 75 points behind Morton and we're all singing Let's All Laugh at Morton. We invaded the pitch. A Peterhead fan who saw me on the pitch um, called me a sockless cunt. Uh, and I was wearing socks, which was really bizarre just because I was a Ouija. And then me and a guy called Ross <laughs> Nisbet, who you might know, um, picked Kenny Arthur up on our shoulders to, you know, give him the maximum acclaim. And we both started running. The problem was we started running in opposite directions. I think Kenny did his groin on the spot. <laughs> and then ended up, just to finish off the celebrations after leaving the stadium, went on to the Peterhead bus. Uh, the, the bus we were getting back from Peterhead down the road and opened a bottle of warm champagne in the Peterhead Football Club car park. It was just the most ridiculous day when we celebrated wildly the most horrible season. And yeah, I think um, I still owe Kenny an apology for that one. 
I think you and Kenny Arthur should never be on a pitch together because that Mary Hill game that you played didn't Kenny Arthur absolutely <laughs> destroy his groin saving a goal? <laughs> That's a very good point, well made. So you're never well, allowed maybe on the pitch with Kenny Arthur. Uh, when I say I'll play in any position for the club, I may, may be playing in goals the next time instead of <laughs> man. So, nah, that's I looked so many games. It was a great question. I've tried to think what could the, the obvious ones were great victories or something, but that Peterhead experience was just a bit wild. We'll wrap it up. Well, she were a partridge this, so we'll bring out a, an old classic for you. And um, how many bites does it take you to, to eat a cream egg? <laughs> I'll never forget. The shout across the office when you were asking the manager questions, he said, no, more of these silly ones, these are great. Uh, I'll probably about three or four, quite quick. Three or four. What, uh, what end of the egg do you start at, the, the thin end or the fat end? Thin. That's thin. a good answer, that's a good answer, right. But I probably had to cut the whole interview if you said the fat end, but no, we're on safe ground now. Listen, uh, I just want to, before I go, I just want to wish a guy, a good friend of mine, Matt Greer, the best of luck in Countdown a week on Wednesday. Um, <laughs> if we thought the leak of information ahead of the Kingsley kit was good, this boy could have played an absolute blinder because I'm, I'm convinced we're going to go on and watch a convincing victory. Um, it'll get us right in the mid for the Kelly game, so good luck, Matt. That's from everyone at the club, including Lewis Mansell. That's that's great. <laughs> you set me up there. Cheers. Public no, no, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, no spoilers, but um, yeah, I, I think this will be. You need to cut that off, won't you? No, no. Well, I had to sign a disclosure agreement, a non-disclosure agreement, but I don't really think folk from like ITV studios listen to this, so I think we're on safe ground. Um, as well as that, if anyone's been actually cares about Countdown and has been watching it, they'll know. <laughs> I think they'll oh, know what's going on. So the guy that I'm playing, he started his run today, and uh-huh. he absolutely massacred some old guy. Like it, it should have like if Anne Robinson should have like waved, Don't started waving her arms about after about five rounds. It was, uh-huh. it was tough. Uh, what's right? Sorry to stretch us out, but what's his name and where where's he from? He's, I think he's called Ed. He's from Dublin and he's in like Scrabble leagues and stuff. Uh, well, was... well, well, we'll, we'll all be tuned in for how all the first team squad are looking forward to it. So, uh, oh, that's good. That's great. <laughs> that's great. That's great. No, thanks very much for joining us, Josh. No, thank you. We'll move on to, to preview the League Cup group. We start that on Saturday uh, at Stenhouse Muir before a trip to Kilmarnock in the following midweek and then closing with home games against Fraserburgh and Montrose. Rhys, do you think we can get out of this League Cup group? I uh, I would say so, I. Um, I'll be looking at top two. Uh, I do think that we'd, if we do come second, we'll have a decent amount of points. 
mean, it's got, got to be between us and Kelly, realistically. Um, I, I said that all last season as well. I just don't think Kilmarnock are any great shakes. But I, I'm looking forward to getting competitive stuff underway. And I do like Stenhouse Muir's in a away game. Like, I think we always kind of pack out that wee shed behind the goal. But I'm kind of getting sick of it, man. We're drawing him every year, even when it's not regionalised. We've still drawn Stenny. And the fact that we're going to have to go back there in a couple of weeks as well when we're playing Queen's Park, like, got to be sick of the sight of the place. But I, I just, I'm really looking forward to the competitive stuff getting underway, looking forward to getting back on the bus and stuff. So I, I'm, I just can't wait. I've been, been thinking about it for weeks. And as you say, it's always good to see. Like, I, don't, I don't know if we'll be wearing home kit, but I'm just buzzing to see the new home kit in action as well. So I, right up for it. I think the way that the fixtures have sat in the group, I think if we get any less than nine points, it will be a disappointment. You've you've got to look at Stenhouse, Muir, Fraserburgh, and Montrose as as very winnable ties, and then you're sort of going down to the the Kelly game at Rugby Park. And even if you get nine points and we lose at Rugby Park, you can still get out of the group as a one of the best runners up. So I think it's definitely there for us this season. David, we're going as as we've discussed going to Stenhouse Muir on Saturday. How do you see the the team shaping up the starting eleven? Who do you want to see? How do you think McCall will play it? No, we should put a full team out against Steny. Um, no mercy. I, you know, go for the throat. I think Steny will be a bit of a stodgy side. They'll give us a good game, but I think if we can kind of choke their pressure points, and I think that we can. Well, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go three one. You you fucking jumped the gun here, David. Right, I've got <laughs> like a whole prediction section. We're taking the predictions very seriously this year, right? And we're not at that stage yet, right? right. I've got another question from Andrew McKenzie, which uh, I'll ask David before coming to Jamie for his thoughts on Stenhouse Muir. And um, Andrew's asked, is the Challenge Cup a priority this year? Should we be focusing on trying to win a bit of silverware there? I, I think we should, and I think McCall, strangely, I think he, he wants to win the Challenge Cup. I mean, he's won it but twice for Airdrie, and he's won it with someone else as well. Um, he takes the Challenge Cup seriously, and he's always talked about how he wants to bring a bit of silverware to um, for Hill. I, I, would, I would be going into it and taking it very seriously, because it, it's, a, it's, a champion, it's a title we can realistically win, and you can make a whole bunch, bunch of memories down the line. I mean, Talk to like QP and Dumbarton fans who went down to Wales and all that, and you know, those sort of big games. And even then, talking to Thistle fans in 12 13 about you know that that Ramses Cup final, there is there is very much uh, unfinished business there. And yeah, I would be going, I'd be going for it in the Challenge Cup. There's no reason not to. So back to the League Cup, Jamie, what are your thoughts on the Stenhouse Muir game and, and the Kilmarnock game? I'll ask you your, your thoughts on them. How do you see? both starting 11s uh, shaping up. Do you think it'll, they'll be pretty consistent or do you think we'll see uh, a lot of changes between those two games? I think we'll see some changes. Uh, Phil McCall might do the rotation two games each for the goalkeepers for uh, Mitchell and Snedden. You know, kind of feel out who's in goals for the season. Probably Snedden start as number one, you'd think. But um, hopefully a couple of younger players will get a run out against Dennis Muir, depending how the game's going because... You'd, you'd think we should be winning that game reasonably comfortably, but as Vessel, so you never know. But uh, yeah, like I already said, it's kind of getting a bit boring. Stenhouse Muir away. We even drew them in the Challenge Cup a couple of years ago. So 
we keep getting it. I'm unbelievably missing the game. I couldn't get off work. I'm fuming, raging, even though it's only tennis me away in the Challenge Cup. Sorry, the League Cup group stages. I'm fuming and missing it. Uh, but, yeah, I think hopefully we win that one kind of comfortably. In the Kilmarnock game, it'll be a bit of a tougher game, obviously. I promote the Premiership. Don't know how seriously they'll be taking the group stages. They'll want to win it, but and they will be the favourites to win it. Just, I feel this is such a dead group, to be honest. When we got Fraser, I was hoping that, that was away so much. And then when we got that game at home, it was just, <laughs> it kind of can't be asked for the group. But the football's back, so I'll be happy to watch it regardless. Earlier this week, David caught up with Stenhouse Muir fan Craig G. Telfer to preview Saturday's game and more. Now I'm joined by Stenning fan Craig G. Telfer um, of the Terrace to discuss our upcoming game. Craig, how are you doing? It's the start of the season. It's first day of school. Are you excited? Oh, 100%. I am, I'm very, very excited for, for this season so far. It's the first time in a wee while I've had a season ticket. And I mean, when I say I had a season ticket, I was, a, I feel like I was an employee of the club uh, doing the tannoy. Um, so I wasn't able to, I was, I was still going to the games, I wasn't contributing financially to the club, but this is, I've got a season ticket for the club, I'm sponsoring my favourite player, and I cannot wait to get uh, going, I'm, I'm really, really excited for, for, for the season ahead, I can't wait. Definitely, and like this has become like an annual tradition now, where we get you on in the League <laughs> Cup, because we draw you every fucking year, but um, <laughs> last year, um, when, we, when we spoke to you, it was it was a really weird a really weird time for Stenhouse Mirror. It's the it's that old meme of you know the the dominoes the wee tiny domino goes up and up and up and up and it's like Stenhouse Mirror takes Stephen Swift and then the big one is like open goal Broomhill with Slaney, and <laughs> like it's amazing that you, you caused this but a very bizarre season and for I think for quite a while there was a lot of people predicting that Stenhouse Mirror were swirling the toilet for a little bit and then yeah. he's kind of pulled it around so how, how do you feel it went overall I think it was uh, a very disappointing season I don't think there's any other way you can spin it David it was a it was a disappointing season at the beginning of the campaign I didn't really know what to expect because it was a virtually a brand new squad there was three players three holdovers from the previous season and I think the manager all, overall must have signed about 23 players and a lot of these players had come from the Lowland League, had come from sort of like West of Scotland football. And I, if you sign that many players from that division, you're not improving the quality. The quality gets dragged down to that level. And for a long period, the, the Stephen Swift, he didn't really know what his best 11 was. He didn't really know how to get the best out of these players. And I think we finished bottom at the first quarter. And I think that as long as I've been supporting Stenhouse Muir, that's the first time I, had, I literally had ever seen us be bottom of the Scottish Football League, the, the SPFL, whatever you want to call it. And, and I, I was very alarmed as to how things were going. However, he did turn things around about a, a third of the way through the season, found a team that worked for him, found a system that worked for him, got the best out of them, and the team began to rise up the divisions. However, th- that we were in, perennially in fifth place in Edinburgh City, were always within touching distance of us. Sorry, we were always within touching distance of Edinburgh City by a couple of a couple of points or so on. But any time there was like Edinburgh would play on the Friday night and lose, we would play on the Saturday and lose. Edinburgh would draw on the Friday night, 
we would lose on the Saturday. And there were, we had so many opportunities to overtake them and go into the, the playoff places. We, we didn't do it. And I've seen interviews with the manager at the tail end of last season and at the beginning of this, that he cites the, the high turnover of, of players as, a, a, as not just a big factor, as the factor that we failed to have a, a successful season. But I, I, that doesn't really wash with me. It doesn't really wash me. We had plenty of opportunities, but didn't take them. So that's not the case. This time around, we, we kept pretty much all the players that you would have wanted to have kept from last season and, and have added to that. So I really think if we don't finish, if we don't win the division or get promoted, I think if we don't get promoted, that's I, I, I putting quite a bit of pressure on him. But I, don't, I, I think if we don't get promoted, I think he'll be, he might have to consider his position. I think that anything other than promotion will be a, a, a disappointment this season. And I'm not including a playoff place. I think the team need to get out of the league this year. Yeah, and I mean, I, I can understand that based on, I mean, with, with the, the start that you had, because I mean, at that time, I think it was yourself, Stranra and Cowdenby for all sort of in that dogfight. Was there any yeah. was there any point where you thought that you might go down? Yeah, there, there was. I think it, there was a game, it was against Elgin City at home. We conceded a goal. This is this about September, start of October. It might have been around then. We we the we were bottom of the table at this point, and the manager had had gone. He tried something out in training the, the Tuesday night. It was a bounce game or something the Tuesday night, and he reconfigured the the, the team. Played, moved a right back to left back. He was playing a central midfielder. Uh, right back had gone with a new defensive partnership. Really, the the kind of stuff that that's like throwing shit at the wall and hoping something would stick. And when we played Elgin, we lost 2-1. We were the better side, but Elgin scored very early on and hit us with a counter-attack late on to, to win the game. And after that, I was like, I, I, I want him gone. I, I, I want him gone. It's just I'm not seeing anything. If you're, you've not signed well and you've you've tried a number of different things and it's not working. So what are we seeing? Even at this early stage, what are we seeing to encourage that that's... They suggest you've got it. And I'm glad that he did turn it around because I do quite like Stephen Swift. I like listening to his interviews. I think he always talks well. And regardless of the, the result, I find myself agreeing with him in terms of what he says. But yeah, there, there was a period where I was thinking, we're in, we're in big baller there. And particularly, no one wants to drop into the Lowland League. I think that the, the Lowland League, I mean, you, you kind of touched on it earlier when you were talking about Open Goal, Broom Hill. I think that division's got the potential to be a really good league, but it just seems a bit of a circus at the moment where you've got the three Colt teams, a team that's run by... I've, I've no doubt that Simon Ferry could be a good coach and a good manager, but it just seems that he's effectively had to buy a... For all intents and purposes, buy a football team to to, to get his, his, his first shot at it. Uh, so that's the big fear, is dropping into that. I don't think that's going to be the case this season. I think that when you look at that division, there are no obvious favourites, but we are perhaps the, if you look on paper, the the various teams and the signings that have made, we are perhaps favourites for the division. Yeah. No, I I can totally get that. And obviously you mentioned about like the Lowland League about, I mean, if you look at Cowden Beast's first six games in the Lowland League, um, it's incredibly grim. If you're a Cowden Beast fan looking at that, it's like Rangers B, Celtic B, Open Goal, Broomhill, um, I think um, another team that's going to be challenging for the title and like Hearts B in the space of like the first five games and it's like realistically it's they could, like, three, three or four 
lose their first like three or four games in the Lowland League, and you're like, it just seems incredibly grim. And it is one of those mm, things. I don't think it's about. I don't think it's about losing games. You know, something if you drop down into division, I think like losing games is just is just part and parcel of it. It's it's the teams you're playing yeah. against as a supporter. I, I how on earth do you get excited about playing Hearts B and, and Rangers B and Celtic B? It doesn't it, it doesn't do anything for me at all. But that, that's probably another discussion for another time. Uh, talking about that, uh, but yeah, not not for not for me at all. And that's the the big fear. It's not a division I would want to be in. This season, so I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't wish that on. I'm, I'm sorry that Kevin have to go through that. Absolutely, but I mean, you mentioned about the signings, and you, you mentioned previously that last season you'd had a lot of intake from Lowland League and West Scotland League. You've had some very interesting signings. The one, that, the one that really stuck out for me was in Will Sewell, who yeah. 41 goals for Larchester last year. I, I seen Larchester a couple of weeks ago yeah. in Glenafton. He was brilliant, and I Class. remember I went in for the requisite. Um, illegal can in the port cabin that you're not meant to have <laughs> sitting there with um, a bunch of the sort of you know tr- blazers the, the treasures yeah. and stuff like that and they were all raving about the sort of the, the attention he was getting there was Class. so many clubs in from and like just and just absolutely un- yeah, absolutely fantastic and he was he was really good and like Brilliant. the West of Scotland League it's tier 6 but it's it's a sort of false tier 6 like it's See, it's stronger than the Of course, that, that's a division. St- that, that, that the season just passed. There. That was it sorting itself out there, and a lot of teams were finding their level with all the conferences yeah. and so on. Yeah. I mean, I, Will, yeah. Will Sewell, we've not had the chance to see him play yet because he's been injured. But I've, I've seen clips of him on uh, the Largs Thistle Twitter account, and my goodness, the some of the caliber of goals he's scoring, the different kinds of goals he's scoring, he looks really, really confident in front of goal. Like the range of finishes, like you're seeing dinks, you're seeing long range shots, you're seeing like him picking the ball up and, and beating players and, and going on amazing and scoring it. And I've got to say the defending that he's up against doesn't look that fantastic. But in terms of his like natural ability, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can do. I think a lot of people are really excited to see what he can do. And we've paid money for him, which we don't tend to do. And we're signing on a two-year contract. So I think we're putting a lot of faith in him. And I think that perhaps of all the summer signings that have come in, even including Craig Bryson, he is the player that I am and, and my friends who are supporters are the most keen to see. No, absolutely, and I, I totally get it because yeah, he is he is very much he was the hot the hot prospect in the west Good. of Scotland. Lots of people wanted him, and, and it, it it reminds me of I mean you you've talked before about how you you obviously seen Fissel quite a bit in like sort of 11, 12, 12, 13 seasons in the in the promotion season. He reminds me of the sort of story of like a Dolan or an Erskine Erskine coming from the Burnley Laid side. Dolan if coming we, from Talbot. If we can get someone half as good as Chris Erskine or Chris Dolan and is at the same impact they did for Thistle, we'll be laughing. That's the sort of stuff exactly. I want to hear. That's the sort of exactly. stuff I want to hear. That's great. It, so when Will Sewell scores four against us um, at the weekend, um, <laughs> uh, uh, genetically rebuilt like Robocop um, <laughs> to play, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I called it there. But um, no, it's, it, and obviously the League Cup group, you've got Fraserburgh, Kilmarnock mm. and ourselves. Have you got Fraserburgh away? Oh, that's a good question. I think we. Oh, I would need to. I would need to check the the, the matches there. I'm, I'm. I'm really sorry. I didn't check. We have got. Uh, where are we? Because I've got the, the stuff up in front of me. We've got Fraserburgh. Yeah, I've got them at home. Sadly, at home on the at 16th home. of July. So we've got them in uh, aye, a couple of weeks. It's 
it it was like it was akin to like the the mood at a state funeral the day that everyone realized we Fraser brought home um like everyone was just you know getting their candles out to kind of manifest yeah. Fraser brought away and it just it just didn't happen it's yeah it's going to get Kelly away um instead which you know Kilmarnock okay it does have a wimpy a bowling alley a bar and like you know um a nightclub and all that all together and one but as well as that i, I would rather go to fraser bro of course not. <laughs> yeah but um have you had any pre-season friendlies you've been able to see them at all yet or yeah it's been very hush i've seen them twice i was down at berwick rangers we, the first pre-season friendlies against berwick rangers and that that wasn't fantastic i mean in the first the first like 90 seconds we get, must have given the ball away about three times just through slack passes the players like looked as though they hadn't played each other in ages, and you, you don't want to read too much into it. But I wasn't particularly impressed with our performance there. We we lost a really daft goal through a, a mistake from Nicky Jameson. Scored a really good goal to equalise the game through through Tamar, good ball down the right, and he nipped in with a with a clinical header. But I wasn't too impressed with what I saw. I watched um, the the game against Dunfermline Athletic yesterday. We were recording this on, on the Sunday, so I saw the the, the goal and watching it through the Stensmere website. Yesterday, um, and we knocked the ball. Another mistake to, from Nicky Jameson. So he's getting all these out of his system. Just basically passed it to the attacker, who was like one on one with the goalkeeper, and and, and scored from it. Uh, but there's he's always Stephen's always got a very specific way that he wants us to play. He wants us to progress the ball at the back. Don't go long. Have big Matt Weatherburn dropping deep between the centre backs to take the ball from there. And then, then move it uh, into the fullbacks and progress it from there. So it, when it works, it looks good. And it, against Dunfermline, Dunfermline put out a kind of odds and sods side. It, it looked quite good. However, we uh, we we barely created anything. I, I don't think we really got into Dunfermline's final third. And I actually don't even think we had a shot, just a shot in the, in the entire match. There's still there's still there's still work to there's still work there to be done. But obviously, Dunfermline are kind of got different ambitions. And I think that for, for, for us with this um, League Cup group stage, obviously you want to you want to get the better Fraser, but you don't want to have a bloody nose against a, a side, a, a division beneath you in the Highland League. But you kind of want us to do well. I think that we'll probably lose most of the games that we play. And obviously we are the, next to Fraserburgh, we're the poorest ranking team in that division. So I imagine the, the game against Thistle, for instance, the one that's taking place on Saturday, I can see it being a carbon copy of the one last time out. I think we'll give you a good game. But Thistle are just a better side than us. I think Thistle have signed quite well over the the, the summer. And I think that you look at that the team that you've put out, and I think you're you're probably the behind Dundee probably is is, is the the favourites to go up. And I know Dundee haven't necessarily signed anyone. Just Dundee are like a, a bigger team than yeah. arguably a, a bigger team than Thistle. But I like I like the business that that Ian McCall's done. I think that you've signed one of the best part time players in the country in Harry Milne. I think that's a really good capture, and I'm really keen to see how he gets on. I know he's he's uh, a big thing for him moving, like not just going from part time into full time football, going to a different city as well. You know, leaving Aberdeen and going to Glasgow. But if he can hit the ground running, you've got an absolutely phenomenal player. I think Anton Dowd's a good signing as well. Um, I did quite well at our broth last season, and I think they they actually missed him when he went away so yeah I, I'm expecting I, I, on this game on Saturday I I, I can I can see I, I don't think you've got much to worry about that's what I'd say I don't think you've got much to worry about I think it'll be 2-0 Thistle It's a deeply concerning analysis we've not got much to worry about it'll be a routine 2-0 win screaming 1-0 Will Sewell 
uh, Stenhouse Muir win. I'd love I, I bet you would. I, I bet you would. Um, I know what you mean. Like the Stenhouse Muir game, it was a bit edgy at times in the first half last year, and it was yeah. There was moments you were kind of like, mm, um, but yeah, we, we managed moments. We, but that's the, that, that's the thing, David. It was it, it was just moments. I think by and large, we moved the ball around quite well. I think you'll see that we will move the ball around quite well because we've got the players that can do that. Like Nat Weatherburn is like. I thought he was one of the best central midfielders. Well, not one of the best. Actually. There was actually a lot of good central midfielders in the league last season. But he's probably our most important player. And if if, if if Ian McCall is listening to this, what he should do is like play someone as a false ten, like a like it's like man mark him like right high up the pitch. Like um, I don't know who who's your sort of like destructive midfield like a Ross Doherty. Get Ross Doherty playing off the striker, but Ross Doherty like man marking that Weatherburn and uh, Senes we won't get going. He's the key to it all, actually. He's our uh, like our Claude Makélélé type. He's the metronome that sets the tempo for us. And if you disrupt that, then you can he'll stop us from playing. Good to know. So uh, Ian, I, we know you listen. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, you know, get get jotting down um, your notes there. <laughs> One other thing I wanted to mention is that obviously you had James Lyon on loan last year, and I just wanted <laughs> to ask you. Do you think that uh, Lewandowski has enough in his locker to knock James Lyon off the perch and take the Ballon d'Or this season? Or is it, is it, I mean, he had a goal against Dumbarton. That was a good goal. Has right, he done literally right. anything else? No, that, that goal against Dumbarton was the, the highlight of his season last year. I think he was a, a massive disappointment. A massive disappointment. And, and dare I say, I am I am surprised that he is featured for Thistle during pre-season. He scored in one of your games. And he got mm-hmm. quite a decent write-up. Uh, I'm, I'm astonished, to be honest. He, that, that goal against Dumbarton was a beautiful goal. A really, really good goal. And when we, when I saw that goal, I was thinking, my goodness, we've got the next Harry Payton on our hands. Harry Payton, of course, we then loaned from Hearts in the 17-18 season when we went up. And Harry Payton was someone that dominated the middle of the party. He was like a number eight, could like defend, could attack. was a really, really good pass of the ball, set up a number of goals. And I was thinking Lyon could do the same sort of thing. But in the first game of the season against Sterling Albion, he, he was put through on goal and he tried to come back onto his better foot to, to finish. I think he was on his left foot and he had a chance to like pass it into the net, but he came back onto his right foot and stumbled over the shot and we ended up losing that game. And it, fr- from that point, Lyon, I, I think a lot of the fans kind of lost faith in him at that point because he, he got injured and then he, he lost his place within the team and he was on the periphery, he went back to Thistle, I'm sure. And he there was games he was coming off the bench at the, the, the latter part of the season and just not contributing. There was a game against Cowden Beath, I remember it was a 1-1 draw, he came off the bench and just it kept on giving the ball away, just pushed around, he looked like a wee laddie out there. And I think that he, I, I don't think it was a successful loan spell for him. I actually thought we'd cancel the loan in uh, January and, and, and send him back but for whatever reason he was kept on I don't know if that was the, the, the terms of the agreement or whatever but I really really disappointing player and, and don't be too hard on him because I'm sure he's a nice boy and I know Ian McCall quite likes him but did not see anything from him to suggest that he is a, a top end championship player nothing at all other than that goal at the start of the season um, I mean we'll always have that goal I suppose but we'll um, it's, it's very interesting it's very interesting because I mean we, we had McCall and tail end of not the season just there but the season before and they had talked up the fact that we had several um sort of under 18s under 17s whatever who were coming through who he saw 
cracking into the squad and becoming regulars for Thistle. And there's always that old thing of, you know, going back to you know, the Lowland League and the Colts team, those teams are basically two or three players and eight bodies to give those yeah, two or three players a game, essentially. 100%. So the way they were talking up, it was as if, like, we were getting a higher than an expected rate of return from under 17s, 18s, whatever. And you had, you know, your, uh, Billy Owens, James Lyon, um, Gospel Atroli, um, Ben Stanway, even like Mason McCready, the goalkeeper and stuff like that. And we'd seen them in sort of bits and bobs in the early friendlies last season. And they'd done some good stuff. I remember East Kilbride, it was quite a lot of kids that we yeah. played with um, against them. And um, Stanway and McCready were were excellent as well and they truly scored that day and we kind of had a lot of high hopes that you know if you kind of keep that unit together and yeah. you know give them something you know they, they can actually do something they can get to know each other and they can build a basis to work with in the future and then you know one of them went off to Gretna for a week uh, we had James Lyon at Stenhouse Muir I don't even know where the hell Gospel truly is I think he's just fell into that into the shadow realm I have no idea where he's went um, but you know, it's just kind of like a bit disappointing and obviously it's always going to be the case I'm sure it would be the same for Steny if you had like four or five people that Stephen Surf was talking up as being you know they'll be of regulars course, for yeah. Stenhouse you, know, you absolutely yeah. think you, you've got like the class of 92 on your hands or whatever but it's just it's just one of those things where it, it seems like the loans that they were given weren't exactly beneficial to them no, and, uh, I, 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 I don't. I mean, no, I really hope he turn. He, he, he does a good turn for Thistle. I mean, obviously, if players have done badly, I don't wish any ill on them or anything like that. You know, he wasn't. He wasn't a dislikable player. He just wasn't very good. And I think that his fans, you kind of, when you saw him coming like that game against Cowdenbeath, oh, what's this guy going to do? I hope he does well. Just based on that loan spell, I don't think he, he, he will be. And I think that from what Ian McCall said, I think like a lot of stuff might have changed then over the last twelve months. You know, it's like, it's a funny thing in, in, in a player's development in football. You know, you can be really good at like the age of 16, but it's because you're really good at 16. That There's a lot of happens between 16 and 18, you know, and 18 mm-hmm. and 20 and, and 20 and 23 and so on. And it, it, who knows what will happen with, with, with that group of players, but it doesn't sound particularly promising from, from what you're saying there. No, no, uh, I agree with that. Um, and may- maybe, maybe the maybe the Colts stands on Twitter are right. Maybe they should all be in the pyramid, and you know we'd all be getting great games. And yeah, you never know. Maybe maybe they have a point. Probably not though. No, they, they, um, they, don't, they don't. They don't. <laughs> we have managed to um, pass the cursed artifact onto you, and Queens Park are now going to destroy your turf um, and salt the earth that you play on. How are you feeling about that? Because you went to well, some of the Fissile games. I remember um, seeing on your Instagram uh, a very scathing post of the Fur Hill pitch, which I, at first I was like, the, fu- the fuck's he saying? And I was like, ah, he's absolutely, he's absolutely <laughs> no, right. He's, he's absolutely right. It's like, I, I, I've got a wee soft spot for Queen's Park yeah, that, that, go, that goes goes back a, a, a number of years. And, and with them sort of staying, like, I mean, I stay in, in, in Deniston, so it's like, so you know, walking distance, but it's not a million miles away, so it's quite easy enough to get to for like walk to the city centre, get a subway down to St George's Cross and walk up for there. So it's, it's not too far away. So a couple of times last season, I, I, I went to see Queen's Park and the more I went to see them, the worse the pitch looked. It looked as though it was being played on the surface of Mars. And aye, it was just a, it's just a shambles. Not great for I me, mean, I say not great for both clubs. I mean, both clubs got to the playoffs. So imagine both clubs did what was expected from them. Last season, Queen's Park perhaps got a wee bit better. However, our, we're putting down a new synthetic surface. And so there's there's no chance... Well, I'm saying there's no chance. 
it's highly unlikely the pitch will go the same way as it did at uh, Furhill next season. Not, not, not until the Queen's Park players strap their ice skates on and start running around the pitch. Um, uh, and then at that point, you'll be you'll be screaming for mercy. But I mean, I'm looking forward to another two. It's quite funny. My friend, he's a, my friend Jack, he's always wanted to shout out, so I'm going to give him it now. He was very excited about going to QP away. So I'm going to go to the QP cafe, get a roll, can't wait, clockwork bar, all that. And I was like, you do another point at Open View, and we'll probably be there the whole season. And he's like, oh, bastard. But free trips to Stenhouse Mirror. I don't know what that's. I I I I don't know why of all the grounds Stennis Muir is the most convenient one because surely Airdrie. I know they played Airdrie when the the stadium was getting redeveloped when Hamden was being redeveloped for the Commonwealth Games. I know that didn't have a particularly successful time there, but I mean it's certainly a lot closer than than uh, than Stenhouse Muir. Broadwood or something like that. No, nobody, nobody wants to go to Broadwood. I think Broadwood's no, full yeah. up anyway with the Colts and uh, an open goal playing there. That that that, that yeah. I imagine that'll be a premium. Um, so it's I. What they it's... deserve after ruining our pitch, you deserve to spend <laughs> the season at Broadwood. Um... Uh, maybe that's it. They should they should have gone to Broadwood. I I don't know. I, I think that uh, Queens Park. It feels like this should be a, a a real fun season for them, and it's kind of got off to a bit of a bit of a, same with last season as well. Like these should be great fun seasons, but they just feel a wee bit. Uh, and I think that that going to traveling to Sandhouse Muir is worse than traveling to um, than for Hill. I'd say that 100 miles. So I feel we are bad for the Queen's Park fans. Yeah. I mean, they did beat Utrecht a couple of days ago, so it's not all doom and gloom, but. I listen. I, I think they've, they've signed, well, they've got another couple of guys. I think Grant Savory's a good sign for them. I saw him uh, a couple of times for Peter Head last season. He's a good wee player. Um, so I, I think Queen's Park will hold their own next season. So obviously, what you talk about the terrace, obviously, you, we yep. mentioned earlier about the, the big uh, gargantuan treatise that is the lower league preview coming up what have you got coming up on the terrace that you know looking forward to and what what is there any word on the tv show coming back well the tv show will be coming back and i sort of i almost was like just going to cross the t's and dot the i's and so on but i think that's looking promising to come back in september which is fantastic that'll be i imagine unless things have changed it'll be the same format as last time we'll get 10 episodes in 2022 and then 10 episodes in 2023 Imagine it'll be the same format with a, a bunch of jobbers sitting on the couch and, and loads of good VTs and all that. And as for the Terrace podcast itself, there's loads of stuff going going up. We're, we're, we're very, very lucky. There's loads of hardworking people on and involved with it. So, the, the, the I mean, for instance, when you talk about previews, it's one of the stuff they've, they've previewed. There's a series of podcasts going up, some of the new signings in the Scottish Premiership. Like these guys have come from Macedonia and, and other far-flung parts from the continent and elsewhere. They've been previewed, so supporters of, of these guys, not much used to Partick Thistle, unfortunately, but there's there's loads of players that, that have been uh, been profiled and analysed there. So if you support like a, an Aberdeen, for instance, or or, or um, Ross County, then, then then we, say the collective, we have, have looked at these guys and, and give you the lowdown of them. Uh, Sean and I will no doubt be doing our pre-season preview which will be great fun. We'll, we'll, so I don't, don't know how we're going to tackle that. It's like I've kind of there's a couple of teams that I've, I've kind of I'm, I don't know much about. You know, like Wraith Rovers. I never feel as I need to study them because Sean knows everything about them. Yeah, um, and, I know what you mean. And, and yeah. So and so I kind of I've got I'm quite good at all the teams in the league too. But the further up it goes, other than Falkirk, obviously, I'll keep a close eye on what they're up to. But the <laughs> other teams, I'm kind of not 100 percent sure as well. Doing so a lot of research and map up, but we'll figure these things out. We'll have a preview every side. Will, their chances will be topped up for a good 
nine or ten minutes. You know what happens when Sean and I get together? It's like two old two old fishwives uh, just having a chat about uh, a chat about football. So I'll look forward to that. But there's there's podcasts going up every day. On top of that, there's the review for the terrace, which is a sort of we've moved into talking about pop culture. So if you like music and films and, and books and stuff, there's, there's tons of stuff in there. Not every not every podcast is going to be for everyone, but there's that many podcasts that there will be something. You'll, you'll find something in there. I noticed, um, and this this is a theme with various things. Not Meg Magazine is the same with this, right? Where obviously you had Ray Bradshaw, and you had guests like Chick Charnley, you had a lot like Thistle are featured a lot. What what makes Thistle such a terrace team? For you because the, the, there was a there was a period where you would do the graphic of all the here are all the teams that are on tonight and Fissel were on it like every week. That's a good point. I'm not sure if I'm not sure if that's uh, if that is deliberate or not. But I know that when we had uh, when we had, we booked Chick Charlie on to talk about the talk talk about John Lambie and obviously Chick Charlie is a is a Partick Fissel like he's a he's a legend you know he's like you hear Chick Charnley and and this you you Chick Charnley and Partick Thistle that's where your mind automatically jumps to and one of the things that we look we've been looking to do was to diversify the the panelists so you'd have myself as the the host but the number of people would would revolve you kind of the people you'd be used to seeing but then perhaps another couple of faces would come in and and, and Ray is a, Ray's a really nice guy he's a really good guy loves Partick Thistle loves Scotland. And and that was the, the season that he had, uh, the grasping the thistle was the first the, when that documentary was being made. That was his his first time having a season ticket. So he was great to come on and uh, and talk about it. But I think with with thistle or just a what's the way that probably is perhaps thistle's place within Scottish football, maybe just Glasgow football because maybe Glasgow it's dominated by two teams, and then you've got this team who. Kind of playing this sort of like run-down, sort of faded grandeur stadium in the the northwest of the city. So north, not never reached north northwest, isn't it? I will be the northwest of the city where yeah. where Fort Hill is, and you've got Kingsley as your mascot, and you've got Ian McCauley or someone who kind of I think he's he's got quite a dry, sarcastic sense of humour, and I think that there's that when you bring sort of all these elements together, it does kind of it does really sum up what the the, the terrace is, if you know what I mean. It's it's, yeah. uh, it's it's I can't quite put my finger on it. You can't put me in the spot a wee bit there, but I do think that the that what Thistle represent and what the Terrace represent, I think there's a quite a bit of an overlap uh, between the two. No, I, I I definitely agree, and it just seems to be we seem to be a very media friendly club. Not necessarily well, I mean we are quite media friendly in the sense that you know obviously welcoming people and all that, but we are very much a, an eternal well of inspiration for writers and people to, to do stuff about the club. So it's it's, it's very interesting to see it. It's, it's great, obviously, if you're a Thistle fan. I imagine if you were like a, a Brecon fan or something like that, you'd absolutely die for, you know, that amount of coverage on like BBC and news and magazines and stuff like that all the time. And It's always been the same, David. We've the, our, our philosophy is you don't go just talking about the, the big teams because what's the point? You kind of turn into like Clyde Super Scoreboard if all you do is talk about it. I mean, there's like... a it's like the the playoffs or whatever. It's the, the League Two playoffs, and you're talking about Rangers and Celtic. You don't you don't do that. But the way we've always approached it is, what's the story, and then talk about it. So if you're taught if like if the story is that like Edinburgh City, for instance, their name change, that's the story. So you talk about Edinburgh City. You talk about if Brecon are being rubbish, you talk about Brecon. If if uh, Kelty Hearts are doing well, you talk about Kelty Hearts. It's all just like dishing out the praise where it's deserved, and perhaps being a bit more critical for the teams that are 
not critical, but you know what I mean, highlighting the teams that aren't doing so well. And that's something we're very comfortable doing all down the SPFL and like laterally into women's football and uh, into the Lowland League, the Highland League, the West of Scotland League and the, the tiers beneath that as well. No, definitely, it's 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 very it's very interesting to be honest. Again, if you're not an old farm fan, it's very refreshing. I mean, we all love Super Scoreboards. Uh, the ghouls that we are, we love tuning in from time to time <laughs> to listen to the 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 humans that is Super Scoreboard. But sometimes you, you do need something else. But um, before you go, I've got a wee, a wee quick fissily quiz for you that I think you you quite like. Okay. You know, quick fire one. So, question one: What are your thoughts on Bell and Sebastian? Do you have a favourite song? Yeah, my favourite Bell and Sebastian song, oh my goodness. I, I, I like Bell and Sebastian up until the point they started recording their drums properly. Yeah, my favourite <laughs> Bell and Sebastian song, uh, you know what I mean? It's like they, they released an album a couple of weeks ago and it's like, who cares? Like, 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 pack it in. It's like you won the Brit Award, that was as good as it got for you. Oh no, the Top of the Pops appearance, when they did Legal Man and Top of the Pops, that was as good as it got. And that was like, what, 1998, 2000, something like that? Yeah. Um, no, I Could Be Dreaming is my favourite Bell and Sebastian song, and that's off uh, Tiger Milk. I absolutely love that song. Good stuff. Um, if you had to choose, would you prefer um, a good craft beer or a good artisan cheese? You don't. The only sort of cheeses that I really like are like just like mature cheddar. So I'd go for craft beer. There's a pub around the corner for me that, that uh, I was in last Sunday, and I had a lager called, I think it was called... Um, North Funk House, North House Funk, Northeast Funk, something like that. But there was a lager, it came in like in a bootleg tenants can. And it was like sort of citrusy, very carbonated, and just absolutely delicious. The sort of, I had a lager before, and you just want to drink it all in one go. That's exactly what it felt like. It was absolutely fantastic. And I kind of regret not having uh, bought more to, to take up the road with me. No, that's great. Um, if you could study any subject at Glasgow Uni, what would you study? Well, I, I, I did study English literature at Glasgow University. Um, if you for all could the good study something me, else at Glasgow University. Oh, uh, give me dentistry then. I'll do dentistry because because <laughs> that's that's uh, that is, I'm sure that's of more use and of more financial uh, pull than uh, like reading old books. No, there's good. There's value in that. I, I, I know there's some courses, some sort of universities in England that are cutting the, the their humanities courses. Don't do that. But um, aye. If I could go back in time and do it. Good money spinner can get into it. Yeah, 100%. And that reminds me, I need to book an appointment for the dentist as well, just a wee check-up. But that's that's my concern, so that's, that's, that's the listeners don't need to, don't need to know that. Uh, no, absolutely. Um, what is your favourite poem? Oh, it is... Um, oh, what's it called? Ulysses by Alfred Lord Tennyson. I thought you were going to say James Joyce there. I'm like, Christ, it's a long poem. No. I know it's only like one paragraph, but... I've, uh, I've, I'm, I'm looking at my bookcase just now. I've got two copies of Ulysses in the bookcase, and I've read it twice as well. It's a very good book. It's uh, a lot to, lot to absorb, but a uh, great book. But the poem's really good. It's about like uh, Ulysses is dying, and he's, he sort of looks at his son, and he's imagining uh, what it's like to go exploring again. How he'll never get the chance to, to do these things again. If, I mean, if I'm, I'm putting this out there, if I pass over, David, please instruct my executors to read that out at my funeral. As I'm, as I'm placing this on you, I've never shared this with anyone, so I'm placing it on you. If I pass over, please instruct my executors to do it. Ulysses by Alfred Lord Tennyson at my funeral. Thank you. Well, it's, well I'll, I'll make sure it goes into the pod. To, um, I, I mean, that's going to be the tagline. Find out what Craig G. Telfer is going to have um, at his funeral <laughs> uh, on Draw, Lose, or Draw this week. Uh, <laughs> 
David. There you go. And oh, what, one other question. Would you yep. rather Stenhouse-Muir beat Falkirk in the playoff final to send them to League Two or see Scotland qualify for the Euros? Oh, I'll get to Falkirk. Mm. It's because it's specifically Falkirk, that's why I said it. Because if it was just, could you want Stemhurst to be promoted? That that would happen. But sending Falkirk to League would, would be. Do you know something? It would have to be Scotland. It would have to be Scotland. I think that over the last uh, the last wee while, for the last couple of years or so, maybe since I've started do, doing a view for the terrace, I've been playing, pay, paying more attention to the Scotland national team and I've been, been lucky enough to I've, I've done like hosting for the Scottish FA and hospitality over the last uh, like couple of games at, at Hamden and like for instance games against Israel and against Denmark Israel Israel don't know why I said it like that against Israel and against Denmark they were two that game against Israel was one of the best games I've ever been to and and it's like those are the sort of experience I really really like this Scotland team I wait and see how I feel about this uh, house smear team but I really like this Scotland team and the manager and the group of players so I'd want to see it for them. Stennis Muir team still suspicious. Don't don't know much about them, but uh, yeah, go for Scotland uh, and and we'll just tell you what we'll, we'll get promoted next season. We'll just scud Falkirk yeah, four times um, and yeah. finish, finish bottom. Finish bottom with twelve points, but all twelve of them come against Falkirk. <laughs> there you go. And then I mean, I mean the Euros is just around the corner. Will Sewell scoring in the final um, to win Scotland. Two. The, Could the, you the imagine Will Sewell following a similar path to to like Ross Stewart? Like he just has an incredible season at Stenhouse Muir. I'm trying to think. Um, St Mirren come in, pay money for him, does really well at St Mirren, moves to like Barnsley, does well at Barnsley, gets a move to Norwich and, and so on, just goes for there. And, and who knows, that's what you want. I suppose when you look at... Oh, sorry, just uh, kicked over a can of Diet Coke there. Uh, who, who knows that that's the that, that what might happen? These are the things when you look at a guy like Ross Stewart. These are the things that that, that you you set an example in that regard, and, and that'd be class. I hope Will. You know what? I hope Will Sewell doesn't just. I hope he just scores. It doesn't does as long as it's for Stennis Muir. I hope he scores. It doesn't matter if it's all like twenty eight toe pokes or off his ass or whatever. As long as he scores. Raheem Sterling. Raheem Sterling. If it's the rock, Raheem Sterling just toe pokes for cutbacks, right place at the right time. That's all you need, baby. And that's what Will Sewell's going to do for us. Exactly. Well, we'll 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 leave it there. But thanks again, Craig, uh, for coming on. It's been great fun. And uh, not as, uh, as we'll... class. I'll see you. No doubt, I'll see you next year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, our our, our <laughs> annual rendezvous. In yes. The cup group stages. Uh, brilliant. Cannot cannot wait. Cannot wait. We will now move on to our predictions section and after last season we are taking these predictions very seriously. So here's how this is going to work this season. I'm going to ask you three and I'm going to play along every week for a score prediction for the games in the week ahead. So this this week we've got two games to predict a score for. If you get the correct result you get a point. If you get the correct score you get three points. Once we've done these two games I also have 10 questions which I'm going to ask you for answers and they're going to be season-long predictions that are worth a few points each. So Jamie I'll start with you a prediction for the Stenhouse Muir and then the Kilmarnock game please. Stenhouse Muir 
Stenhouse Muir, I've gone 4-1 Fissel. We do seem to love a 4-1 win. Stenhouse Muir, we've done it twice before, so make it a hat-trick, 4-1. Uh, the Kilmarnock game, two each, and we win on penalties. There you go. No no bonus points for the penalties, but if it's a draw after 90 minutes, you you will get a point. If it's 2-2, you will get three. Rhys, two predictions from you, please. Stenhouse game, I'm saying 2-0 Jags, and... Kelly, I'm going to go one each. So a comfortable day at the office on Saturday um, and a bit of an even contest on is it, is it Tuesday night we're playing Kelly away? It's Wednesday night. It's a big day. Wednesday. So oh, the, the countdown is around. <laughs> yeah. So I won each one on Wednesday. David, some predictions, please. Well, I was going to say 3 1, and then Jamie told me he's not going. And Jamie's missed about two games in the last decade, and they were both cracking games. I seem to remember the last game yours is what the Ross County, that daft Ross County game. Um, so it, it made me instinctively yeah, want to go just 7 0, but I'll, I'll go in the middle and I'll, I'll echo Jamie's prediction of 4 1. And um, I'll, I'll, do you know what? I'll say one each um, at Rugby Park. I'd bite your hand off for one each at Rugby Park now. So we've got we've got three thistle wins at Stenhouse Muir and three draws at Rugby Park. I'm going to go nil three at Stenhouse Muir. I think it'll be a, a comfortable one for the Jags. And I'm I'm going to go bold. I'm going to go nil uh, one Partick Thistle to beat Kilmarnock at Rugby Park. I think back to Aberdeen playing in Europe and they were never great at the the early qualifiers. And I'm hoping it's a, a Derek McInnes trait that his teams are are slow out the block. So I'm going to go for. Back-to-back Jags wins and back-to-back clean sheets. The next section of this, so I've got 10 questions. They're season-long questions, uh, and I'm going to ask you all for an answer for each one. And at the end of the season, there are 25 points up for grabs for these questions. So the first, the 10 questions, first question I'm going to ask you all is, they're all over-under questions. So the amount of cup matches that Partick Thistle will play this season so this is including the Challenge Cup, the League Cup and the Scottish Cup. For reference, last season, Thistle appeared nine times in cup competitions, four League Cup, all in the group, didn't get out of the group, three in the Scottish Cup and two in the Challenge Cup. So the over-under number I'm going to set is 9.5. So it was nine last season. Over-under 9.5 cup games. Jamie? Over. Over. Rhys? So how many is in our group just now in the league in the league cup? You're guaranteed six games. So nine point five. Oh, more. We're going to aye, more. David, I'll go over. I'll go. I'll make it a full house for over nine point five then. Okay, number two, January signings. So January signings can be a an indicator of a good or a bad season. Teams that tend to struggle tend to recruit quite heavily in January. Again, for reference, last season we made five January signings. Yakubiak, Allegria, McAllister, Crawford and Firth. I'm going to set the over-under on this one at 4.5 January signings. Jamie? Can I ask a question just before he answers? Yep. Are we including pre-season um, contracts, no, pre-contracts no, 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 no. in January? No, no. Right. No, they have to arrive and be a, a registered right. player in January. Jamie, 4.5, over under January signings. Over. Reese, I'm going to say under. We're quite solid. David? I'm going to say under as well. 
I'm going to say under as well. I think we're got quite a settled squad, or I hope we will. Right, next one. How many clean sheets, competitive clean sheets, will we have last season? Twenty. Right, again. Uh, this I've not done any uh, football-related research in a couple of months, so uh, if these numbers are incorrect, it doesn't. I'm, I apologise before like any Adiazis fans come out and get me for the the quiz uh, disgrace. <laughs> But I believe we kept 22 clean sheets in all competitions last season, which was a record-breaking season, 22 clean sheets. So I'm going to set the over under for clean sheets at 16.5. Jamie? Under. Reese. Uh, it's, it's tough. I don't think we're going to... We're definitely not going to break the record again. We're not going to have nine games in a row. But I'll say under as well. David, 16.5 clean sheets. This includes cup games, I'm, David. I'm, I'm going to go under as well. I, I don't think necessarily a lack of clean sheets is going to necessarily indicate a bad season, but I, I think it's going to be more akin to the first quarter of McCall Ball when it was like insane thrillers every game. I think we are, we'll, we'll go, we'll be, it'll be goals, but it, for us and against us, and I think we'll have more for than against more times. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over. I'll stick my neck out and go over because I think we could quite easily keep three in the league cup groups, maybe one more in another cup competition, and then you're only looking at 12, 12 league clean sheets. I, th- I think that's doable for a, a good, uh, a good back four goalkeeper, Banigan and Dockett midfield. I, I think we can do that. I'll, I'll be the only one to stick my neck out and say we'll get more than sixteen point five clean sheets. Next one, number four, Scottish Championship managers who managed both the first and last game of the season for the same club. Last season, only four managers managed us. Uh, Ian McCall, Dick Campbell, Billy Dodds and John McGlynn. So 4.5, I have set the over under that for that. Jamie, do you think more or less than four and a half managers will see the whole season through? I'm going to say more. Reese, It's got to be more. David? Is uh, over or under 4.5? Yeah. I'm going to be controversial. I'm going to say less. I'm going to join you, David, because I think there's a few a few managers that could be under pressure early. I look at Dundee, Cove, Queen's Park, even Inverness. I, I think those guys could be in, in trouble early if they don't go off to a flyer. So I'll join you, David. I'll go, I'll go under. Number five. Total points accumulated versus Queen's Park, Morton and our broth. So last season we only won four points against Morton and two against our broth. Queen's Park will be a, a sort of derby game this season. So 12 games and I've set the over-under at 11.5. Will we improve our record against our broth and Morton and play well enough against Queen's Park to, to average a point per game? Jamie? Yes, surely. Please, I hope. <laughs> Reese, Aye, it's going to be over. We're going to get more points against those fucking gangs this year. <laughs> David? I, I mean, it, what, I, what I'll really love some like, depressing podcast this would be if we're going, no, we will only get 10 points against Martin Queen's partner for this season. Um, I'm more. I, I'll join you. I'll, I'll go over. Right, halfway, Mark. 
some quick ones to finish. So the first five I've set, if you get that correct, you get two points to your to your season total. So the first five were just for two each. These last five, three each. So these are the, the real key ones. Kyle Turner assists. He had 12 assists in all competitions last season. I'm setting the over-under for this season at 9.5. Jamie? I'm going to say under purely for the reason I think the stress for assists will be taken off him. I think there'll be other people chipping in with Wallace and Fitzsafe signs, etc. So under. Reese, do you think Turner will hit double figures? Uh, I'm going to say so. Hopefully he can stat pad a wee bit in the, the upcoming League Cup games. Um, yeah. I, I think I'll do it. David? Um, I'll if if he gets a game, then definitely. Uh, well, hope springs eternal. I'll say over. I'm going to join Jamie for this one and go go under. Number seven, Stuart Bannigan bookings. So this man has had 64 career yellow cards, but only four across the last two seasons. So I'm setting the over under at 3.5 for Stuart Bannigan bookings, Jamie. Um, this is a tough one, actually. I'm going to say over. I think this season you'll get a couple. Reese, It's got to be more. I know the stats don't really back it up, but you're thinking he's going to be reaching like 50-odd games in a full season. It's got to get more than four red, eight yellow cards. David, is Stuart Bannigan a, a reformed man in your eyes? <laughs> it does a red card count as two? No. That, no. This is yellow cards only. Yeah, only, right. Very strict. <sighs> See... He's, he's, he's turned his life around. He's on the straight and narrow, and you know he's out that game now. But no doubt he will half someone against Dennis here on Saturday and go to one booking already. If I say under, and then it'll just be in a tightrope for the rest of the season. Under, we'll go under. David, I'm I, going to join you. We'll, we'll sponsor them to stay off the yellow cards this season. <laughs> I'm going to join you. We'll go under under 3.5 bookings for Banzo. Right, number eight, Brian Graham goals. I believe it was 18 last season, although some sources uh, say different things. I believe the, one of the goals up at Inverness was hotly disputed, but I think I included that. So I think it was 18 last season, and I'm setting the over-under for Brian Graham at 13.5. Jamie, 13.5. Over. I think you'll get more than fair. I don't know. I don't think you'll hit twenty this season. Happy to be proven wrong. I think last season was his best shot at it, but I think you'll get more than thirteen point five. Reese. I similar to Jamie. I don't think he'll reach the heights of last season, but he does enjoy a goal in the, in the League Cup. I, I remember even when he was at Ross County, I'm sure he scored like seven goals before he was even out in the group stages one year. So I, I think he'll get a, a couple in the next few weeks. David. I, I agree. He'll, he'll rack some up in the League Cup. We hat-trick against Linfield in the Challenge Cup and a couple of goals here or there in the league and we'll bright his reign. Um, I'll go over 13.5. I'm going to stick my neck out again. I think I've, I've been sneaky with this question because we've, we've not um, seen the, the full squad. We've not seen if Ian McCall's going to add another striker. I think he might and I, th- I still think Graham's going to be an important player this season but I hope the pressure is taken off him for goals. I think he's going to be off the penalties this season. I think Kevin Holt will stay on the penalties. I think he might hit double figures, but I'm not going to say he's going to get to 13.5, so I'll stick my neck. I hope he does, though. I really hope he does. I'll stick my neck out and go under for that one. Uh, number nine, times Stevie Lawless is spotted at Ibrox or in the away end, and I'm setting the over under at 2.5 for that one, Jamie. <laughs> this is my favourite one. Under? Did you say under, Jamie? Yeah. Yeah, because I don't think you'll get spotted. <laughs> <Reese. 
I'm going to say under because he's only ever spotted in the away end at Hamilton. I think he stays in Hamilton, and every time Rangers are at Hamilton, he's in the front row. So they're not really in the same league, so I don't think we'll get it. Some, sometimes I've I've seen him a couple of times on like Europa League games on Thursdays. So if they get in Euro- European competitions could because based down for last season, David. Um, well, I mean, now that Rangers have released Andy Furphy, can he get comps off him? So, um, I don't know. I, I feel like his style is more to just post we are the people Union Jack on Twitter more than uh, they actually spotted. No, I, I'll go under. I, he'll, he'll keep the heat down and he'll, he'll, remain, he'll remain quiet and Rangers will shit the bed in the Europa League or something like that and not even get very far. And, aye, we'll, we'll say under. Right, I'm sticking my neck out again, then I'm going to go over and I'm going to put out a, a call for people. If, if they see Stevie Lawless, we're not encouraging grassing. Don't go to social media. Just send a wee DM so I, I can bag you this. Any DM pics of Stevie Lawless at Ibrox in the Rangers end anywhere, send them my way. Right, number 10. Can we have but, a ticker for the for the year where every time we spotted, we'll like, keep the ticker going up? Like, I've seen that a good running bit. Right, we will refer to these predictions as we go through the season. Here's number 10. Final league position, and I'm setting it at 2.5. Are we going to be second or first, or third and below? Jamie. Second or first. Reese. I don't really know. I don't really know how to answer this question in an over and under sense, but I think it's between us and Dundee, so I... Top two, David. I mean, why do why do you even bother asking me? I've already planned our assault in the Champions League in two years. Of course, I'm going to be top two. Uh, I'll I'll join you with this one. I'll join you. I'll say we'll finish top two as well. So, so thank you very much for playing. I'll keep a note of those predictions. Twenty five points up for grabs there. We'll keep a, a running total as we go throughout the, the season of score predictions and crown crown a win at the end. Play along at home, let us know your predictions, let us know how you got on throughout the season. We'll have a nice time doing that. Earlier this week, I caught up with ex-Jag and League One title winner, Shea Gordon. Gordon, Shay, how are you doing? Are you well? Yeah, I'm all good. I just get in the pre-season now, so we're it's fine. It's been a tough couple of weeks for us, but I, a couple of games coming up soon, so just getting ready for that and getting going. Good stuff. No, well, thanks very much for joining us. First of all, and um, we'll come on to what you're up to uh, just now in a bit. But I just want to start with with the start of your Thistle career. So you signed on loan from Motherwell um, in the 2018-19 season. How did that move come about? Uh, it was something before I came in pre-season the first couple of days of pre-season I came, I went into the manager's office and said look I need to go out and play games because I'd played a few first team games at the end of the season before I think it was and I just knew that it was kind of 
at that stage where I need to go and play properly and play week in, week out. And he came back to me a day later, actually, and said, look, Alan Archibald has phoned about the... He, he knows you quite well from... Actually played at Firhill in the second league game from Motherwell, or from Motherwell, the first league start, actually. It was against Park Thistle, and Archie was the manager. And he said, Archie wants you to go in and see, and see what you think of it. So I just went in, obviously, the, the following day and trained. And then we got it kind of tied up quite quickly in the pre-season, which was, was quite nice, actually. Ideal. Now, you had a great start to your, your Thistle career, two <laughs> goals two goals on your debut at Stenhouse What were your memories <laughs> from that day? Yeah, that was, I suppose you can't really get off that batter. So I think it was my first touch and then one of my second or third touches, I think, and ended up with two goals. And it's probably hard to hit them heights after you do you do that in your first couple of minutes. Like, what do you expect after that kind of thing? But no, it was, it, it's kind of a fond memory because it was the start of a debut at the club and it was it was a nice nice memory. To be, I, it was funny, before the game, I actually said till the last time I'd played that, that Stenhouse Muir was from Motherwell Reserves against Hearts and I scored two that day. And I actually funnily said that to Chris Erskine before the game. Yeah. He said the last time I played here I scored two. He says, well, hopefully you do again. <laughs> so it's funny how things work out like. We've got a few games at Stenhouse. Well, Queen's Park are playing at Stenhouse for next season, so we'll need to get you back for, for them. Um, <laughs> so you, you scored a couple of big goals early on and at the, the end of that season, but a lot of that season was sort of hit with injuries. How hard is it as a as a lone e to be to be injured for such a long period of time? Yeah, that was that was a tough one because when I first I got the injury against Celtic in in the cup and at the time it was diagnosed as a problem with my knee and it just said four to six weeks she'll be you'll be out for four to six weeks and I was on the like the rehab was going well and then about four four weeks in I started running again and it just wasn't moving right and then I got a second opinion of this is maybe two or three months down the line after trying different things, got a second opinion off a specialist in Leeds who had said that the, the diagnosis was completely wrong. So I made a, had a bit of a mess up on that, side, on that side of it and then I ended up needing surgery. So it ended up maybe after surgery was another four months or so. So maybe seven and a half, eight months out, which was in that period of time we changed the manager, which obviously throws everything up in the air because Gary Caldwell came in who'd never heard or seen of me so initially when I came back I had to prove myself to him whereas Archie when he, he brought me in it would have been probably an easier transition to come back in the team if he had still been there I suppose but yeah it, it's difficult because you're in between two clubs and you don't really know what's going on at Thistle some days I was back at Motherwell doing a lot of rehab but come and watch the games and you can the, the squad changed that January as you know like the squad was, was a massive turnover in players so yeah it was a bit of a a strange season in that respect, like. Yeah, you obviously did prove yourself at the end. I remember a, a really good goal down at Somerset Park, and I remember actually Stephen Robinson was sitting behind us down at Somerset Park <laughs> that night. What was it like towards the end of that season when you were coming back into form, coming back into the team? Was a permanent move to Thistle sort of always on the cards, or did that come about in the summer? Uh, to me, it was... I didn't at the time think I'd be going back to Motherwell, to be totally honest. I didn't really hear anything from Motherwell. I heard I heard after that game against down at Somerset that they'd been at the game I'd, and that was probably one of my, probably my best game come the end of the season and I kind of at the time was hoping that I'd probably stay at Thistle because I just didn't see I didn't really see a pathway at Motherwell at the time it was kind of there was a lot of players coming through and it was more where's the next contract coming from but I kind of with Thistle I kind of felt with when I got back in the team and doing well that it was a there was a chance for me to stay on kind of and thankfully put in a few good performances then this season and 
Gary Goldberg kind of trusted me, I suppose, at that stage. So, yeah, I was able to tie down a bit of a, a future there. But when he came, obviously, when he first came in, I didn't know much about him and he didn't know much about me. So it was kind of up in there until it was the last three or four games. I kind of had a rough idea that was going to be something happening. Like, yeah. So what was your relationship like with Gary Goldberg? Uh, it's it was actually it's it's still really good actually to this day which some people might find strange or I don't know it, it till actually till this day it's still really good with him I, I actually spoke to him maybe five six months ago he, he he kept in contact with me quite quite regularly over over the years to be fair and I think with with Gary it was one of them ones he when he came in he didn't know me he got through me pretty quickly I suppose and then I done well for him and he trusted me and liked me as a player so kind of went that way and then whenever he left it was kind of a case of I just I texted him as he left and, and thanked him for his, his efforts with me and because he spent a lot of time with me individually like watching clips and telling me what I could do better and stuff like that just the details which I think improved me as a player at the time and then just over I think it was lockdown I, I met up with him in lock, and just after lockdown finished or whatever and spoke to him about my game and what could I do better and kind of these things and just he's just been someone more like to ask for advice every now and again because Maybe it didn't work out at Thistle, but he has a good head in his shoulders in terms of spotting detail and there's obviously a bit of knowledge of the game as well. Is that a relationship you've built up with like several coaches or is that quite a, a unique relationship you've got? Uh, I would say it's quite unique to be fair. I think another one would maybe be Stephen Robinson who gave me my debut at Motherwell. Like Rumble in terms of he gave me my debut at Motherwell 18 and I had known Stephen Robinson since I was about 12. He, he managed my under... 13 Northern Ireland team he managed he didn't actually pick me in the Northern Ireland team on the 13s which I don't forget actually And but then he picked me on the 15 on the 16 and made me captain that age so he would be another one actually I would like I think it was maybe Christmas time as well I, I just reached out to him for a bit of advice as well so it's the, the two of them probably more so Gary Caldwell because he was a lot more involved with me later in my career I suppose at this stage he was a lot more involved with me as a player whereas Stephen Robinson was a young, young player coming through haven't known him a bit longer, like, but yeah, I think I'm probably the only two in terms of a lot more, I suppose, personal relationship in terms of speaking to them a lot more and in that respect, you know. And then the next season, it was a, another strange one. It was another managerial change. Ian McCall came in, and then it was the the COVID shutdown. So, yeah, was that probably the strangest season of your career so far? Yeah, that was that was a weird one as well. Because obviously, we manager changes again. You almost feel like here. You have to prove yourself again. I think everyone obviously thinks the same thing. They all have to prove themselves as a player. And obviously, I've known Ian McCall before that playing against his teams a few times. But you don't know what to expect. Everyone's kind of in that thing. They see it the first day. You don't know what to expect. Is he going to like me? Is he not going to like me? All that kind of scenario. But yeah, it was a strange season for us. We were, we got some good results and they were up and down. And obviously, come the time where COVID came, we were. I think we were actually hitting a bit of form at that stage. We picked up a few draws. We actually went, I think we went to Tannadice and drew 0-0. Maybe could have won the game. So there was games that season that we thought we were actually picking up into a bit of momentum come the end of the season. And then when it hit and COVID came in and the season was stopped, I think it was a bit of a sucker blow for, for everyone like at the club. What was it like that summer for the players? Um, obviously for the fans, it was sort of... Nobody knew what was going on. Did you have yeah. any more insight, or were you just like like us, really? We, not. I, I, we were completely in the dark. It was. I think yeah. we had like a Zoom meeting nearly every two or three weeks, and there was the odd WhatsApp message going in, and the odd message from the boys, and maybe hear a rumor somewhere, and then you would you would think, oh, is that this is maybe happening this minute? But there was very very little. Like I remember just being so 
I think and a lot of the boys are saying, like, so frustrated at the time, not knowing when we're going to be back, what's happening, are we, is the season still going ahead? Like, there was just so many different options, but we just didn't have a clue. Like, it was, you know, <laughs> we're coming on these Zoom meetings and stuff, and the Jerry Britton and the Gaffer and stuff are speaking, and you think, what, what, what's... No, like we're asking questions, but there's no real answers. So you come off the Zoom meeting and think, well, I don't really know what's going on still. Like, so yeah. <laughs> it, went down, it dragged on for so long that we just, I think it was maybe once the whole relegation thing had been decided, it was like, right, well, you have to kind of get your head around it now and prepare for the next one. But we didn't know when that was going to be either. So, yeah. yeah, it was a strange, strange, frustrating time. I think frustrating probably the, the best word for it. Like, yeah. And it was a, a strange but successful season. And, in League One, what was that like for you playing all the games behind closed doors? Did it did it still feel like a, a title win? Uh, it was it's it's hard because I think like at the start of the season it was a bit a bit weird because the first few few games you don't really you don't really get it that well and then I think as the games went on you built up a bit of a you just got used to it more so I think it. If, it's hard because there was no. There, sometimes you found that you bit lack of momentum, and with that, when the fans weren't there, they weren't getting that. And there was games we drew, I think, at the start of the season where I think if we had a, a, a good crowd behind us, we probably could have kicked on in the last half an hour and maybe grabbed the winner or grabbed an equaliser, you know. But when then you go and win it, and it's just, it's still nice, but it just probably took a wee bit of the shine off it for players knowing that there was obviously a great support in the. Up on the canal, which was 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 brilliant. That the their fans can come out and then obviously outside the stadium, which definitely made it a lot better than what it could have been. But yeah, I think it still probably wasn't a hundred percent what you would you would want as a, a player or a fan. Obviously, the fans probably got it worse than us because they couldn't get in at all. Like, uh, I'll always be on your CV though as a, a league winner for how that, that's, so the that's thing, something. Yeah, yeah. can't take it away now. And it's, the, the club we done brilliantly in that last half, third of the season, whatever it was, to, to kick on and get and get the results when we needed them. So it's always something that we'll we can cherish and say we've done it. And yeah, you got the club back to where probably not where they belong just at the minute, but back to kind of righting the wrong, which was the kind main the main motivation throughout the season. Yep. And then just looking to last season was probably your, your toughest at the club. Um, so struggled for chances in the first half of the season and then you were loaned out to Queen of the South. Was yeah. the loan um, something that you pushed for or was it something that was sort of put to you? Yeah, no, I I, I pushed for it. I kind of asked, I had mentioned to the manager around Christmas time and said, look, I'm, I, it's quite clear I'm not really in the plan here at the minute. I just knew that just the, the way we played, about four for like kind of 4-4-2 or 4-4-1-1, it just wasn't really suiting me. I, I I was smart enough to, or clever enough to know that wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna get the games I wanted to. So I kind of went to him at the end, just before around Christmas time, and made that kind of clear. And then, then again, around I think it was around the start of January when I went to him, said, look, I just need to go and play somewhere. I'm, I'm not playing enough from the contracts of the summer and all these things. If you're not playing, you don't get the next contract, whether it's at the club you're at or the next one, because people don't look at you the same. So I kind of made it clear that I need to go. And and to be fair, like he was. He was with, he was fair he thought that was fair enough. He thought like he says, I don't think your time's completely up here, he says, but go out and play and, and see how you do and we'll, we'll see how it is in the summer. But at that stage I was probably ready for a fresh start wherever I didn't really know where at that stage it was gonna be. But I think I just I just felt like the need I needed a, a bit of a change anyway, regardless if I was gonna stay or not. You know, it was probably it was probably what I needed as a player, like I suppose. 
Yeah, you mentioned that you didn't think that um, you were quite fitting in with the system. How would you describe yourself as a player? We've seen you play in like the middle of midfield. We've seen you play quite quite advanced midfield positions and right wing back as well. How would yeah. you describe yourself as a player? What's uh, your favourite position? I would always say like it's funny because when you play, there's times you play a four three three and it's fine you play four four two. That doesn't that say it doesn't really bother me which formation we really play. I just see myself as box to box. I get in. I, I I like getting into the box. I like running beyond people. But I do feel that in areas I can I can win the ball back and I can I can tackle and I've good energy. I can get around the, the pitch. You know that way. I'm not someone that's gonna sit and play in pockets and get on the half turn and create loads of chances. Probably not. But I feel like I can arrive in the right areas and. But kind of mucking as well. I think there was a stage in the, the end of League One season I was playing in the four in the middle of the park and as a two, I suppose, and kind of doing a bit of both, which I, I actually did enjoy. I think sometimes when I'm playing too far forward, I can't get into the game because I like to be playing a wee bit deeper coming on coming on to the game, you know. So I think that I just was stuck in between two kind of roles. But to me, I just would always say box to box and lots of energy and trying to get, get beyond people and get in the box, really, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, we saw it. We definitely saw it. We uh, lots of your goals with those sort of goals getting on the end of second yeah. balls and the like. Um, so you've signed with Lorne now back in Northern Ireland. Was that a, an easy decision? What were the sort of factors that you took into account, and were there any other options on the table for you? Uh, there actually was a couple. There was a couple in Scotland. I heard about the Lorne thing quite a while ago, to be totally honest. But at the time, I just was like, I'll finish. Let me finish the season and see how I go from there. And there had been two straight away in Scotland. And I just, I, at that stage, I kind of thought, when I first heard about the Lauren thing, I thought this could be something different for me, some, a complete change of scenery, a complete change of league, and something I probably needed, a bit of a fresh start. But I got two quite quickly after I left Thistle, and then right up until the day before I signed officially at Lauren, there was one came in last minute from Scotland. But at this stage, I'd already moved to Northern Ireland, so right. it was probably a bit late for that. But yeah, the whole... Lauren idea was Lauren's a bit it's in terms of the, the club wouldn't have been a couple of years ago it's kind of, kind of rose up through the championship in Northern Ireland now become one of the top teams they're like one of only three I think it's four full-time part full-time teams that are professional now so we're one of them which was also obviously something I wanted to do was stay full-time and still train every day kind of thing but then the fact that there's the chance to go and play and these European qualifiers and next month was something that I've never experienced. And if, if I can get the chance to do it, it's kind of something I've been looking forward to. Just I've got a couple more questions uh, just in general and then a wee, a wee quick fire bit at the end. I just wanted uh-huh. to ask, um, this has sort of always interested me. So you play for a, a club the size of Thistle, so the attendances are sort of two, three thousand. They can be smaller away from home. Mm-hmm. And then you've got fans on social media and if there's 10 or 20 fans on social media like saying the same thing it seems like a lot as a player how much do you take that in can you switch off from that and what would you say like affects you as a player more like the comments on social media or comments that you can probably hear in the ground Uh, I'm quite good at kind of switching off from the social media side, I once once the game's over to me, it's kind of it, it, I I play the game a lot, lot back and what I've done myself, so I'm probably quite hard on myself regardless of how I've done. Like if there like there's still chances I'm thinking about two years ago, like before lockdown happened, there's chances I'm thinking I could have probably buried that kind of thing. So I'm very harsh on myself anyway. But 
in terms of comments from like social media and stuff, I'm not really. I'm on social media and I'm obviously active enough on it, but it's just not some. I I don't go looking for things, so if I don't go looking for, it, I'm not probably not going to see it. So it it doesn't bother me. I think players if they do, they might see twenty good ones and one bad one, and they cling on to the one bad one, so it probably doesn't help. And so it for me, I just kind of stay away from it. I don't bother with it too much. In the ground, I think you, you once you're in the game, you kind of don't really pick up on it as much. It's, you're always you're kind of thinking like what's what's next the mistakes happen but what's the next kind of thing so yeah it's probably you hear it more in the ground i suppose but yeah you, you just try and brush it off like it's everyone everyone gets frustrated they get frustrated watching games they get frustrated playing games so everyone's entitled to that bit of frustration and, and the odd moan here and that so you can't really take it you can't really take it too personal like and just in general what was it like playing for thistle did you enjoy your time how would you sort of sum up your relationship with the club and the the fans? Oh, I I've no bad feeling. I actually had a really I think it was four years. I had a really good time. Like it was the people, and that's some like some great people within the club, but some great people without the club. And one example being would be maybe Vincent and his son Callum. Like that was something like I, I remember the ladder I got from him when I was on loan, and at this stage I had kind of Callum sent me like a ladder to say like oh we've got. Uh, I'm so so glad we had you, and I'm so sad to see you leaving. But I kind of at the stage knew I was signing, so it was such a nice thing that I knew myself I was signing, and then I could go and kind of surprise him after. So things I like got at the club, the the club's really good for that in terms of getting players and fans. I think that was a good part of it that we were ringing through lockdown, ringing fans and stuff like that, like and keeping keeping them like kind of tied together. I think in a football club you have to keep the fans and the players kind of together. Once you separate them too much, then it's just not the right thing. So I think Thistle are doing a really good thing that way. They actually still have been texting a, a Thistle fan and he, he wished me well maybe last week. Uh, Kenneth Fleming, I think I spoke to him during lockdown and we texted quite regularly after games and stuff. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a big part of it and like, that's something I've, I'll always kind of keep with me as these wee stories and stuff. So, and then you've obviously got the people behind the scenes at the club are working so hard and you just, you, you have to, you have to produce it in the salary for people like that. So yeah, it's I've I've got no I've got no bad feelings at all. Before I left, quite I didn't see the everyone at the club before I left, and it was it was very nice. Like I'm, and I'll, there's plenty of people I'll keep in contact with. Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, just a wee quick fire round before we finish, if that's okay. So what yeah, was your favourite goal for Thistle? My favourite goal was probably during the summer set. To be fair, yeah, I think that was such a yeah. big one for us. Yeah, so yeah, that was, it was a big one. one. And a good one as well. Yeah. Uh, Favourite <laughs> game? Favourite game was probably, I'm going to say Morton because I probably I scored two, so <laughs> I'm being selfish <laughs> that game. one. Like, so. Favourite teammate? Favourite teammate? Uh, oh, there's going to be a couple that could kill me if they hear it. Like, But I'd probably say for the whole time, Banzo. Yeah. Uh, Banzo. Uh, toughest player you played against? Toughest player I played against? From Thistle or just anyone in the in, in the league? Uh, go one for both. One playing for Thistle and one for your career. Uh, hmm, Ross Doherty in training because he just yeah. never leaves you alone. And then <laughs> probably could say Doc for playing for her as well. But uh, God, that's a good, that's a good one there. Like yeah, Doc when he played for United was tough as well. Like so. <laughs> uh, favorite member of staff. Favorite, oh god, that's a good one too. Oh, there's so many good ones, but it's got to be Mark of the Kit Man. What a legend! <laughs> and last one, favorite thing about Glasgow. Favorite thing about Glasgow, I probably 
in terms of Glasgow as itself and the people probably is very similar. I think, I think Scottish people and Irish people are very similar. So I always found that like it was just it was like home to me, the people around and yeah, it was probably the people the people you meet along the along the journey kind of thing. So yeah, I would I would say that my favourite thing about Glasgow is probably the people I've met and people I've come across and the similar kind of banter that we have like. Good stuff. Now, Shay, thanks very much for joining us and uh, all the best for the rest of your career. And as I say, you'll always have a, a league winner's medal from your time at Thistle. So so thank you. No problem. Thanks very much, mate. I hope all the best right. this season. I hope you go on and, and, and do what you... I think the club deserves a, a push on again. So, yeah, I hope they do really well. Great. Take care, Shay. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks very much. Thank you. finish as we always do with Partridge Thistle and you'll have heard our chat with Welshie by now so I'm going to ask you all what would you stick on a kit for PR what item what person what thing would you stick on the middle of a kit to get a bit of publicity anyone wants to come in go for it David Mitchell's goalkeeping top what a picture of Phil Mitchell and the Queen deck Reese. I don't know. From from a strategical point of view, it'd probably be a photo of like, do you know how the photo of Doolan with his hand up in the air after the the Aki's game? See if that was like sort of watermarked on a kit, that would sell like mad because Fissel does will lap up Etten Chris Doolan. Like see if see if there was a rumor that Doolan was coming back to Fissel right now after not having kicked a ball for about three seasons, Fissel does would be all over it. So that would fly off the shelves. David. I mean, the Doolan one is is good, but uh, we need we need to be more craving in our advertising here. So I think um, that picture, uh, the Kim Kardashian picture that broke the internet, get that in a top, and we'll, we'll absolutely sell it hotcakes. Um, it'll be all good. Well, I've got two. So obviously, the Jollos or Draw logo, you'd stick that on a kit. That would be that would be good for our publicity. Uh, and secondly, I would put the an outline of the dog that featured in the, the famous Alan Ruff Jim Lighton joke um, somewhere on a Thistle <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got to be the next in the Jags Hall of Fame, I think, that dog. Um, <laughs> we will leave it there. Um, Jamie, Reese, David, thank you very much for joining me. We'll be back next week to look back on the away games at Stenhouse Muir and Kilmarnock and look ahead to our first home game in the League Cup group campaign. In the meantime, stay safe and enjoy the return of competitive football.
think it's um, a bit. You need to put your best foot forward. I mean, we talked about it. we've got three eminently winnable games here, and it's Fraser Brum and Trolls and Stenhouse Muir, but that shouldn't be uh, a reason to. What the what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Why is there like mad spooky Halloween scents in the background? <laughs> what is going on? You done, David? No, there's lots of weird noises in the background. It might be you. I think it's Jamie. I, Jamie was playing the fucking paranormal shit earlier. <laughs> I didn't. Right. I didn't want to land a minute, but I'm not okay, taking what? the did you, did you not hear? It was like some mad paranormal synth sort of like. <laughs> Mate, I was in there. He's playing fucking slot machines, is what he's doing, like Ladbrook <laughs> slots or something like that. Right. Uh, is this is this how we fully go into being a conspiracy um, podcast where we have like, an actual ghost on the pods? I thought um, it was like a nice in the background to you, David. No, no. <laughs> So can we can we confirm like confirmed ghost sighting on on the pods to start the season? That's a terrible way to start the season. Um, with an actual ghost on the pod. The, the ghost of Andy Fox. <laughs> <laughs> he haunts us. He haunts us, waving his flag in the picture when we're not there. 